2: Thing
0: better than a glass
1: of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode fifty-one of the Big Shows from Enforcer Base Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday. Here we are. We've got a really cool interview for you guys today. Adam Huxley, uh, former Saskatoon Blade, Las Vegas Wrangler, uh, Stockton Thunder, and, uh, no, Adam did it for a long time, and, uh, took on everybody, and, uh, no, he was a, he was a good guest, and, uh, told some good stories, and, um, you know, also being in Las Vegas and stuff, he, uh, got to know, uh, some of the UFC cats, and we talk about UFC, and, uh, and, uh. Billy Tibbetts and all the craziness that comes with, uh, life in professional hockey. So, uh, no, I'd like to thank Adam again for coming on the show. Uh, he was, uh, like I said, great guest and hopefully we can definitely, uh, love to have him on again, but, uh, Like I said, this is episode 51. Um, If you're new to the show, um, I highly encourage you to go back and please check out the back catalog. Um, I've interviewed lots of great guys, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Roman Volpat, Clark Wilm, Joey Tedarenko, on and on. And um, yeah, just this past uh, Sunday, I had uh, every Wednesday's new content. Every Sunday is a Vault episode, um, which is uh, basically, I put up a, an old player, inter- player, an old interview from my old website uh, before it went down because um, I wanted to get all those interviews back up online. So, uh, but actually, uh, this past Sunday, um, I had a friend of mine on. Uh, well, actually, back then when I did it was two years ago. Uh, it was Joe Lazito, and uh, he, of course, does the great podcast uh coliseum chronicles now which is an islanders podcast and um in fact he just had blair Riley on this past week which uh for you a uh, uk fans out there of course belfast captain but uh, no it was a great interview and i really enjoyed it and uh, uh joe does a great job and he's had mick fakoda on dean Ewan, and aaron ash from jason strudwig um like again it's an islander show and uh but he does a great job and uh yeah but i had uh way back when before you had a podcast or anything like that i had joe on and um yeah we just talked about his uh his days in the in the card the sports card business and uh, uh working uh for the tough guy magazines if anybody remembers those from back in the day um with his rankings and stuff and joe took a lot of grief over the rankings which we we laugh about and talk about that and uh yeah just how his 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 fandom started and uh and then of course um if you don't know uh you know joe is quite the tale of uh uh, literally stopping a serial killer uh on the subway in new york um you if you just type in joe lazito if you're like what is he talking about if you type in joe lazito in google that's the first thing that'll come up he wrote a book about it um yeah there's been uh lots of stories out there about it but then we get a first-hand account from joe and uh yeah what it's what a story and uh you know and a, and a real life hero you can come and tune in so joe was a great guest and uh um you know even though it was a vault episode and it was two years old i mean i've talked to joe obviously since then but um i definitely want to get him back on the show for an updated interview and uh you know we can talk about a whole bunch of things plus how his podcast is going now um but uh, no, other than that, um, I'm, I'm going to keep this uh, pretty quick because Adam and I talk for quite a bit. Um, the other, uh, of course, being a member of the Hockey Podcast Network, um, all 32 teams, are, there's numerous uh, podcasts on the network, of course. And actually, all 32 NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, check out the network. There's a show for you. Um, also, Terry Ryan is on the network old tr um who just released his second book uh fights film and folklore um i will be picking mine up shortly i'm going to get sent i'm going to get it from tr himself if you want to get an autographed copy from terry ryan himself uh it is get a hold of him at terryryan2020 at gmail.com and uh, like i said christmas is coming get an autographed copy for all your friends and uh, help help tr out and uh and just if you haven't, uh, if you've never read a Terry Ryan book, his first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, one of the best hockey books I've ever read. No bullshit. Uh, so I would h- highly recommend picking that up as well. And uh, he's a fantastic storyteller. If you've ever listened to any of his podcasts or any of his interviews, um, you know that to be correct. So I don't, I definitely don't have to t- sell you on Terry Ryan the Storyteller. But I'm really looking forward to reading his book. And uh, Yeah, other than that, um, from my off, I would say my off-network friends, um, of course, like I said, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, um, as well as Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, who is on vacation up in the Blue Ridge Mountains right now, he was golfing today, um, he takes some excellent shots of the scenery. It looks very beautiful. The only problem is he sticks his bloody bison heed in there, and you can't see nothing. Like, I think for Christmas, somebody needs to buy Alec a selfie stick or something. you got to get some separation between the phone and the background because his head's sticking in it. And, yeah, I said, well, I think I see a mountain. I don't know. You know, all I see is some guy half half hammer standing in a sand trap, for God's sake, you know. So, but Alec... I mean, other than his shitty golf game and his lousy selfie taking, uh, he does a heck of a podcast, and uh, he d- he's had excellent guests on from Yablonski to Segroy to um, you know Mike DeGurs and Ken Tasker and Pete Vandemir and on and on. Frank Bialoas. Um yeah, he does a great job. Good dude, and uh, he also runs the Enforcer Appreciation Page on Facebook. If you're a Facebook cat, cat, go check that out. It's got like. I don't know, 13,000 members or something. It's ridiculous how big it is. And uh, lots of ex-players post there. And, uh, yeah, check that out. Also, uh, Dan, Paul, and Kelly over at the Obey the Puck Show. Um, and Fred and Dave at the Salute... At the, easy for you to say. The Slewfoot Hockey Show. Yes, I know. Two, I always say two current shows. Hard to believe as I don't watch current hockey anymore. But I like those people all involved, so I will pay attention and listen to their shows. Um yeah, there we go. Also, um, should I do the sponsors now? I probably should cause we should get on with the Adam Huxley interview, but one of the main sponsors here at CoolHockey.com hockey.com is my ad read. Well, I call it an ad suggestion, but don't fast forward. Cause you're going to dig this, especially if you're a Jersey person. Um, like I guess I'm not just sponsoring anything here. I'm not going to just plug anything. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of, fan, a lot of uh, folks that follow me on Twitter are big Jersey people and, like, the authentic ones, right? They don't want the Chinese knockoffs and stuff. Um, so this is a really cool deal. It's um, from coolhockey.com. They've been around since 99. They're NHLPA-endorsed. Um, and you can get custom... Pro jer- like the jerseys the guys wear, the authentic jerseys with the fight straps and the hand-sewn numbers and the whole nine yards. And, um, you know, all the teams, third jerseys, you know, whatever you're into. And I know, of course, now with the free agents all signing, if you're a Leaf fan, you probably want a Thornton's Leaf jersey. Or whoever your new draft pick is on your team, you want his jersey. Um, so, yeah, this is the place to go. And at checkout, if you use the promo code Thpn, uh, the hockey podcast network. You get thirty percent off and free shipping, and they're out of Toronto. Um, like I said, you go to the mall. I really go or go online and look. I mean, I've been to the mall here and, and the uh, <laughs> uh, Jersey City, the lids, and what three hundred and some dollars for these jerseys? And you're at the mercy of whoever they have in the store. With this, you can get whatever you want. Like I said, you want to get a Blackhawks jersey and put double zero Griswold on the back. You can. You can put it. Put your own name on the back if you want. Um, Joe, like I always, I always use Joe as the example. Um, and if if you want to ask him, like, you know, he's on Twitter and stuff. Get a hold of him at the Coliseum Chronicles on Twitter or Joe Lazito on Twitter. He's a big jersey guy, and he's really big into the. Um, the one hit wonders and like he he likes to get the deep he Joe's always been like a b-side deep cuts kind of guy like I mean anybody can walk around with a like LaFontaine jersey in New York I mean that's you know come on put some thought into it you know so I mean like I said Joe Joe goes for the deep cuts and he was just telling me he actually just actually just before I hit record he had sent me a message um he has just ordered a, a Dick Tarnstrom jersey um he was a defenseman slicks the slick swedish defenseman uh yeah that played a season there on the island and uh like i said joe wears these jerseys every day if you see, so yeah if you see a, a tarstrom a tarstr- jersey um on the subway or cruising around long island just go up to him and say hey dick so coolhockey.com 30 percent off Free shipping when you use the promo code THPN. there there that's an ad read right there, folks, let me tell you. Another one. This is completely unsolicited. I just do this because he's a really nice guy. And this is for my like local listeners. Not completely local, but if you're in the Lloyd Minster area, the border city, as they say. And if you're, for the American folks out there, if you're wondering what I, when I say border city, what I'm talking about, <clears throat> the town of Lloyd Minster is actually split right down the border of the Saskatchewan-Alberta border. Yeah, so you'll be driving, and you'll be, like, at this intersection. There's a big sign. Like, this is where the separation is. So, like, one half of the town is in Alberta, and the other half of the town is in Saskatchewan. So they call it the border city, that's Lloyd Minster. Uh, cool little joint, and uh, friend of the show... Former Western Hockey League tough guy, Kent Staniforth, is the owner-operator of Fountain Tire in Lloyd Minster. And, of course, around here and out, well, Saskatchewan and Alberta, it is winter is coming, so that means snow tire season, which I am about to spend $1,500 on. Um, But if you want to get a good deal on snow tires or any tire, so you have a leak in your tire, you just want to go talk tires, rims, what have you, Hit the fountain tire in Lloyd Minster. Go see Kent. Tell him Darren from the Fourth Line Voice sent you. I don't think that'll get you anything, but whatever, you can try. Yeah, if, if anything, he'll tell you a good WHL story. Ask him about the time he fought Toporowski a couple times, or Rhett Trombley. Yeah. No, Kent's a good dude. He's always helped. He's uh, He's been more than generous with, with me. It's, a, it's the stuff he's. Sent me is ridiculous. I always give him shit for doing it. He's such a nice guy, and uh, you know, and he was great to have on the show. Go back. There's a there's a now there is an interview. You should go back and check the back catalog for my interview with Kent Staniforth. Uh Great storyteller. Um, had some great Western Hockey League stories about playing for Babcock um, and Musha and like I said, fighting Topper and Raider and Rhett and all them. Um, no, Kent was a great great guest and and a good dude. And like I said, in all seriousness, if you're in the area and you need tires go check it out Fountain Tire and Lloyd Minster there you go Kent Staniforth let's give Kent the business we're always giving Kent the business there you go folks um but how about we get on with this interview you die let's let's all hear tune in check out uh the, the stories with Adam Huxley like I said he was a great guest and uh, oh and b- by the way actually I should have led with this this is uh pardon me um but uh of course uh two days ago um i read that uh joey moss the famous edmonton oiler equipment or edmonton eskimo as well um equipment uh manager um passed away and uh of course he was uh a legend in those parts and uh unfortunately um you know, and he, he's definitely an icon, and I, and I really hope when uh, the season starts next year, and I'm sure they will, um, the Oilers put something up um in the rafters for joey because he was there through the heydays um you know everybody knows the story of when Wayne gretzky was dating joey's sister at the time um and he got joey the job as the equipment guy assistant equipment guy and uh he's been there and when was that like 82 83 whatever and he's been there ever since and uh you know on on social media of course there's been a a flood of pictures of the players with joey with uh you know rest in peace and telling their stories and uh um you know it's really sad but 57 years old and uh you know rest in peace sir um and i really hope the oilers will uh will do i mean like i said i'm sure they will um but what i was gonna say also is uh, of course adam had a had a number of uh was in a number of camps with the oilers so i'm sure he knew joey moss as well um and and it's um this interview of unfortunately we we did it last week before all this uh before joey's passing so um obviously it didn't didn't come up so um just uh but um yeah um yeah rest rest in peace uh joey moss and uh i will get let's get on with the uh with my interview with adam hope you guys enjoy it and uh i will talk to you on sunday all right guys thanks all right, here on the phone, here on the fourth line voice, uh, my special guest today, Adam Huxley. Adam, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: No, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we've kind of went around and around, played some phone tag here, but um, got you here now. And uh, yeah, got a, a whole bunch of questions. And uh, but I guess we'll, uh, you know, we'll start at the, at where it all began. Uh, where'd you grow up? And uh, where'd you play your minor hockey?
0: Well, I grew up in Wainwright, Alberta. Um, I'm originally, I was born in Vermilion, Alberta. I uh, grew up in Wainwright, Alberta, and I played my whole minor hockey here um, until I left to Notre Dame, and then I came back for one or one or so years, and then I ended up in Saskatchewan in Melfort playing junior A. I used to be able to cross the border um, before you were, uh, before it was too, uh, too not allowed yeah. in junior A, earlier yeah. 18, right? can't cross until you're 18.
1: Um, well, what made you choose the, choose the SJ over the AJ? Well, to be kind of 100% honest with you, I um, kind of went, was going to go to
0: Lloyd. Um, I was in Moose Shaw, and Ralph Schmidt, the GM there, I had a really good camp and, and whatever, but you know, back then you're like, I'm going to make this team, but then you didn't realize there's like six guys at NHL camp, right? Yeah. Um, kind of thing. I went there, had a really good camp, gotten some good fights and whatever. I was a D man actually, so I actually was, you know, playing and, and then, um, I had talked to, uh, Ralph Schmidt had, uh, was friends with Leonard Strandberg and I had went to spring camp there. Um, it's actually a funny story. I, was a, The year before, I went to Lloyd, and I played some games with Lloyd and stuff like that when I was, like, 16, um, 15 or whatever. And then, uh, so I was kind of tied to Lloyd, but then I went to, to, to Moose Jaw to Western Lake Camp. Um, but in that spring, um, I was going to go to Melford. I was going to drive there. I just got my license. I was 16 years old. And uh, it only took me four times, but that's the sort of Um And uh, I was on my way there, and I... <laughs> maybe overcorrected maybe fell a little asleep in the, in the river valley close to Wayne right here and then anyway ended up driving down a river valley and waking up halfway through and and then pumping the brakes and missed absolutely everything probably saved my life nine lives type thing and then at the very bottom I bumped a tree like so slightly but it just bent the frame of the corner of my front of my truck so you couldn't drive it and so my, I, 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 I was going to be like, okay, well, I, my, my dad was like, you know, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And then he's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, yeah. he's all. it's always 51st. And then once they know you're okay, then they lose it on you. But, um, and then anyway, needless to say, short story, I, I, my dad's like, you're still going. So my grandpa drove me, my late grandpa. And I went out there and I had a really good camp in front of with Melfort, and they wanted to talk to me after. My grandpa's like, "You're not going to play here anyway next year. Why the hell do you care?" Let's go. And he was trying to get me to leave before the exit meeting. But we ended up waiting for it. And and yeah, it all came about. Uh, Ralph called Leonard, and they told me that that was the best place for me to go. So I went. I went to Leonard Stramberg. Got me out there, and and then my junior career started.
1: Well, there you go. Um, <clears throat> well. Just to kind of back up a little bit, I mean, I mean, in Melfort, 16, I mean, 46 games, you know, 250 pims, I mean, he came out swinging, but uh, before that, um, were you always, uh, like, a physical player and, and into the, you know, the fighting and stuff, or did that just sort of... Well, uh,
0: I, you know, I liked it, but I actually never really been in a fight, to be honest, uh, except for some street fights and whatever, i have gotten quite a few of those, but... Um, to be honest i i was actually a player and even in Melford when i first got there I, they brought me in as like a like a defenseman like five six guy you know potential to maybe be a little higher or whatever um not fighting at all and and to be honest it's a funny story i was in uh well i actually i went to notre dame when i was 14 yep um first and uh you know, I I played tier two bantam as a fifteen year old, and then like a year and a half later, I was in, in Melfort playing junior A. So, um, that's a whole other story. But um, I uh, was in, when I was in Melfort, I, I I think I told this story on another podcast. But I was in we were in LeBret when they were in the league, and um, some of the older guys uh, I got these brand new shoes. My parents bought me for my suit, and uh, they shaving cream them and they wrecked the shoes. So I'm sitting there with wrecked shoes. My feet are like soggy at the rink. I didn't talk to anyone on the bus over there or before the game or whatever. The first shift I went out, and I found someone to fight. I don't even remember who it was. It was a big, big guy from LaBrette. And then uh, I, get, I got in the box, and the guy was like, holy crap, you picked the crap out of that guy. And that was really my first real fight outside of, like, a camp or something, right? Like, um, and then I, I went out again. I didn't say one word to him again. And I went out, and I fought again because I was really mad. And then the, the boy, I got ended up getting the game hat and all that stuff and whatever. And so... Um, that's how that kind of started. And then, you know, on a cold Wednesday night, Kevin Dickey from Saskatoon, he was their coach. He was out in, in, in Melfort. He used to coach there and that's where his wife's from. Um, he was out visiting family and just came out to the game or whatever. And then he ended up, I was playing forward that night. I I was on D, but we had seven, I was the seventh defenseman. So they put me as a forward and I ran around, hit guys, got a fight, did whatever. And, uh, he ended up listing me after the season so that's how i ended up in saskatoon but yeah no i i got in quite a few fights after in the uh, in uh, junior a or whatever you know i even back then i you know i fought a lot of the middle little guys i fought a few of the heavy guys actually this scott kellington was actually a really good player he played for flintston and and everyone he was supposed to be really tough for for our league anyway and I actually went out and I fought him and I lost that that was my first beating or losing first time I ever lost and I just remember sitting in the the room in between the intermissions because you used to be able to get in two fights and I was like I don't even want to go back out there that guy whooped me you know kind of thing Um, Now, would I have liked to fight him? He was a 20-year-old, and or 19-year-old, and I was a 16-year-old, but I'd like to fight him again, absolutely. Two years later, I'm going to guess it would be a much different situation, but that being said, he was a tough kid.
1: Yeah, well, and like you said, I mean, the SJHL, I mean, you know, it was... uh you know, Jungle A for a reason, right? I mean, uh, there were some yeah. tough dudes floating around that league, and, I mean, you mentioned Flimflot. I mean, you know, they had Arlen Eliason and Jason Bone were there when you were there, and, um, yeah. you know, Kindersley had John Martin, and I'm just kind of going down the list, and, you know, Humboldt, yeah. Jeremy so Ray I, I and would Sheldon fight right? It,
0: I used to fight like Bourgeoisie, but I, I fought some of the bigger yep. boys, but I was 16, man. I... I I, again, I I've kind of picked my spots. Then I never really fully got into it like that. I was kind of like an old school fighter, just go toe to toe, and I just happened to be tough like that. But um, actually, to be honest with you, I wouldn't say that my junior A fighting started there. I was in Lloyd the year before, and uh, the year before I I went out and and uh, Grant McNeil actually fought Fraser Flippic, yeah, and uh, and I saw how like Cord Thibodeau was like like oh you know this guy's amazing whatever and if you know Fraser flipper he's a tough kid and when we were 16 it was like 18 19 years old and he was tough as nails small guy but through bricks and uh anyway and then, and so then afterwards he came and called our bench on he's like are you guys gonna suck up and fight me and blah 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 and scotty hartnell's brother was on the bench and he goes who the hell is going to put up with that guy? I was like, I want to put my gear on and fight that guy. Who the fuck does he think he is? Excuse my language. And he, and he so then I'm like, hey, I'll go. So I went out and I fought him and we went toe to toe. And then after that, uh, I kind of knew, I was like, holy crap, I can actually do a little bit of this. That was the year before Melford, But in Melford the reason I, I, I didn't really fight at all. And then the reason I started fighting is <laughs> a Shade and Cream story. And that's no word of a lie. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, so after, like you said, come, Dickie comes and talks to you, and uh, you head to you head to Saskatoon Blades camp, and um, it was interesting, it was sort of right after uh, Hortuchuk had been there, and, because uh, I can remember, I remember being at that training camp and seeing you, I believe, one yeah. of the training camps, yeah. and it was like, yeah. you know, this is fucking Hortuchuk 2.0, right here, like, it yeah. was, because you looked the same, so, kind of, you are the so same size, I, uh, and so, yeah. So the the
0: first year I went there, I think I also said this on the podcast. So I'm all jacked up for camp, and uh, they had that uh, Tidbolt, Yeah, was it Tid- Tidbolt, They had the older one, and he was supposed to be tough and whatever. And so I was all jacked up to fight him in that Catsburg. I think there's Cats. I think that's his last name. They were all jacked up. Like I was gonna. I'm like, I gotta fight these guys. I gotta if I want to be here. Like I gotta fight these guys, kind of thing. Well i went out early i was all jacked up i was the only guy on the ice where the first session of the saturday morning and i took went around took a hard lap went to pivot backwards fell into the boards and then as everyone was coming on the ice i was crawling off i just remember going in that back room and and with hilty who's now the gm so that seemed funnier uh with uh uh, McEwen or gm Brent McEwen and then uh, Kevin Dickey and they're like I don't even know what to say Brent's like we're gonna have to release you like how do I know you can play you can't even make a lap around the ice blah 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 you know and uh, Kevin's like I don't know what we're gonna do with you we'll see and Hilty's like he's gonna be out for like four to five weeks so then Kevin's like hey we'll send you back to Melford, we'll let you know what's gonna happen so so I'm on the way home, I'm like tearing it up on the way, I went out to this Kalen, right, uh, one of my teammates' houses, out in Prince Albert to stay, just because we camped and started for three days, and it was closer than going all the way home, and I just remember crying, oh, my career's over, I just the most teary I'd drive all the way to to Prince Albert, thinking it was all done, and anyway, I went to went to Melford, and and back to Melford, and, and got comfortable, and whatever, and I felt like a million bucks on the ice, and uh, it's crazy. The same morning um, of September 11th, the next morning I got called up because a bunch of guys got uh, delayed. All the guys that were at NHL camps got delayed because uh, uh, the airport's all shut down. And, there- and so, he, are you ready to be a blade? I'm like, yep, see ya. He's like, can you be here for practice? It was nine in the morning. I'm like, yeah. I'll pack everything up. I'll be there for practice. I drove right to the rink, got into practice. I remember Kevin he had me do some wallies there and back, like over and backs. So, um, now that I think about this, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But he's like, I did a couple wallies and like some other dumb little things, and he's like, you're our guy. We're gonna you want we'll, we're gonna sign you. <laughs> like now that I think of it, I'm like. What could you have possibly seen when I skated over and back? I think Now I think I know exactly why I was there, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I know I went in and, and got going and kind of sucked. I played two shifts my first game, and actually Kevin came over because I was like, holy shit, did I make a mistake playing dub? Because, you know, at the time you're always like, because I had, I, I had a few calls for like the year after for schools because my marks were really good so i actually talked to like cornell and some teams and um i was like oh boy i made the wrong choice like i'm playing two shifts a game and whatever i sat one game out we played red during the next game and then i got in and i never looked back first shift right off opening draw i fought that bobby chad mitchell which then later on i would square off with him again um on Wendell Clark night, I'm like, I gotta fight on Wendell Clark night. Like, who doesn't, if yep. you're gonna fight on a night, better fight on Wendell Clark night if you're from Saskatoon. Yep. No, absolutely. So I fought Javi Chad, I cut him open, and yeah, no, I mean, then I went on, you know, the toughest warrior I ever fought was by far, and they had really tough team, they are gritty, they are actually a really good squad. They had like, a lot of good players that played in the show and stuff later on, and some really good major junior guys, but, the toughest guy I ever fought in junior, the strongest guy. Okay. And he just, he doesn't have a mean streak on him. I wait, I went and played with him in pro later on and he does not, you can't get him mad. And he's super technical as Derek England. That guy was like fighting a 40 year old man strength kind of guy at 19 years old. He was absolutely the strongest human being I've ever fought. But but yeah, I know I they used to I used to fight like Bobby Chad. Um uh, they had a lot of guys used to fight Lane Manson. Um all ki kind of, I all mean, Lane Manson you have to have a different game plan for whatever. But uh yeah, so I used to, they used to have a really tough squad. But man, you, you come from that Eastern Conference in the dub back then. Um I mean we were at the tail end of it, right? I mean you're, you're talking about Hordy and, and, and all those guys like I mean some of those guys like they before Hordy some of them they go to farms and look for the big tall lanky kid as long as he could tie his skates he'd be out there fighting someone but like you look at Mikhail Kyle Fredericks and stuff like um, but man there were some tough guys like tough tough guys and, uh, we were at the tail end of that, and, but in that conference, there was a line brawl at least once a weekend. Whether it was Stuhn and Mooshja, Stuhn and Regina, Regina and Musha, Brandon and Mooshja, <laughs> didn't matter who it was, what it was, there was always, and you can get suspended and stuff like that. Obviously, we all know what happens in hockey nowadays, and, and everyone thinks that the the 20-year-old that can throw a straight punch is the tough guy, but back then there were some real tough guys
1: oh yeah uh, definitely, and like you said um, <clears throat> yeah, well your first year you played 57 games, you had 24 fights so, I mean, you were fighting everybody Bobby Chad a couple times, uh, Wes Rippon there's another guy, fought him a few times yeah. Chris Schlenker yeah. I think you fought him three times I think I fought Schlenker twenty times. Like, you know what's
0: hilarious? Every time I watch, I watch the NHL. I'm like, oh my god, there's Chris Schlenker. Like,
2: <laughs>
0: oh yeah, he's a ref now. That's right, he's a ref, right? Yeah, yeah he's in the oh, he's. I don't know if you know their packages, but he picked the right thing to do. That's for damn sure. I mean, 10 years, you're full, full boat for retirement, I believe. Like, that's a hell of a gig. Good for him. You know what? There's guys like that that were willing to put it on the line. You always have a lot of respect for them being successful.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. And uh, like you said, out east, um, one of the guys you actually played quite a bit uh, in Brandon, of course, is uh, Jordan Tutu. And, yeah, uh, no,
0: I got couple good stories with him i mean i'm not gonna lie to you he is the most terrifying player i've ever played against in junior um man it, it nothing to do with fighting because i would fight him in a second that's any any day any day of the week any second i would be ready to fight him but tell you what he gets going and with the new rules he'd be suspended every game probably but holy crap is he is he feared when he go, gets going and goes to hit you I, we were in Brandon one night and like they have a they had a play off the face off I swear like they'd get it back go D to D he would just get the red line the d-man he would loop around from the other wing get some speed and they would they would uh, cross cornered or soft shift it and he would just murk a d-man <laughs> but anyway um, uh, I was along the wall once. And uh, the D-man passed it out to me, and I just felt him coming. I basically just chipped him the puck. said, go ahead, man. My my brain's worth more than this you scoring or not. And he went and sniped. Uh, Dick's lost his mind on me, but I probably got benched. But I'll tell you what, man. I'm not afraid of a lot of things, but that guy could could hurt you. Like, he was very fearful. That being said, in the playoffs, uh, my first year, I think it was my first year, um, we were fighting. And I busted his nose. I got him pretty good. But yeah, I mean, like I'm, a, I'm a really scrappy, like middleweight guy. Like I'm not gonna sit here and 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 hold you out and go toe to toe. I'm finding a way to, to, like, wear you down and get inside on you, kind of thing, right? Like I have a strategy. And Toots, he just goes and fights. Like he just wants to throw and that plays right into what i'm trying to do right i'm i'm trying to be methodical and keep my heart rate down and blah 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 and those guys are just trying to black out and see who wins right yep but that being said that's a hell of a trade-off for me win lose or draw you're taking jordan two off the ice for five minutes because he was a hell of a player for them
1: yeah well and that's the thing for everybody listening out there for uh well for the people that didn't get to see jordan play junior um you know, we're talking, a, you know, they see the NHL version of Jordan Tutu. And he did play like that in junior. He ran around like that, too. But he was also a point-to-game player with the Brandon Wheat Kings. And Oh, uh, yeah, he's a, uh, he's a great Yeah, absolutely. And another guy I wanted to mention on Brandon, because I believe, I think he's actually the Western Hockey League's all-time fighting major leader, and he seemed like he was there forever, was Ponte, Randy Ponte.
0: So I never so Ponte was like a twenty year old my yeah. first year I believe, and uh, I never really got into it. And you know what's crazy? I'm shocked I didn't because yeah, uh, what Ryan Stone? Right, he was sixteen, and he ran me. I cross checked him, so we started fighting. And I beat that kid an inch from his life. He'll even tell you that. I've actually, you said it in an article, they asked him when, what the worst beatings ever took, and it was me. It's just he's a 16 year old, I'm an 18 year old. He has no idea what he's doing, and he's just trying to throw, and I just killed him. But and and I and you know what? Afterwards, I have a lot of respect for Stoner. I love the way he plays. He was a heck of a player as well, and I actually see him here and there still. And I I I, I we always talk about it. But anyway, um. He, uh, and I'm like, okay, I just beat the 16-year-old up. What's going to happen now to me? Like, obviously, Ponte is going to want to fight, right? And I don't know if you know what he was, but he's that guy in junior that has a full-out beard already.
2: Oh, absolutely. yeah.
0: Look, looks like he's 40 and just, like, terrifying looking, especially when you're 18 years old. So I was like, oh, God, what am I going to... And he never said a word to me. And I'm not saying he he would fight anyone. I'm not saying that. I was just shocked that he he didn't uh, be like oh you want to fight my 16 year olds you know um, when I was 20 I was in uh, Spoke and I fought uh, Miles Stays he was 16 who later on became pretty tough but at the time I'm 20 16 I, you, can, you can guess what happened yep. right then this Lynch kid jumped me another 16 year old okay and then one other D-man that was 17 the Shen jumped me and, and you're like, oh, and and no one, <laughs> their top guy was a desert He wouldn't come near me. I'm like, man, every game, one of your 16-year-olds, I just beat the crowd, of your 16 year old. And I'm not going after these kids. They're coming, like, asking me to fight, right? And then all of a sudden, like, I, I just, you, if someone did that to one of my 16-year-olds, I'd kill him. So this, I think it's Brian or Ryan Brooks, Brooks. One year I was at NHL camp. Uh, when I was nineteen, and uh, with Washington, I th- I think I was. Oh, no, it wasn't Washington. I was with. Uh, oh, I was with uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. Yep. Yeah. And so I uh, was. It was I can't. While well, I was gone, that Brooks just ran right off the draw and jumped Mike Green, beat the tar out of him, in like this partial line brawl. So at the time he was playing, I can't remember with who. But then later on he got traded to. Um, portland or, or was it prince george i can't remember anyway they came they came in december and i just remember like i already, i knew what what had to happen right after that happened but i'm dicks i'm pretty sure reminded me as well and uh, i went out there and i don't think that kid knew i was coming but but yeah i mean that's stuff you do right where i was just shocked like on these other teams that they didn't really do that you know and I, and again i have a lot of respect for fonte he fought his he did his dues i don't know what it was but it's just really weird that he didn't that i thought I for sure i was getting it
1: <laughs> well speaking of the blades so you're in your first year i just wanted to throw a few names out for the uh for the saskatoon fans out there um one of the guys, of course, that went on and you know, had a long pro career and was in Saskatoon for many years. Uh, in terms of your teammate, uh, Warren Peters and Ryan Keller. How did you get along with those guys? Um, I love Kels.
0: Um, Kells is a great guy. I still see Kells. She saw him in the Allen Cup two years ago in Rosetown. Um, he was playing with Rosetown or whatever, but I, I still kind of keep in touch with Kells a little bit here and there. I'll see him, uh, whatever. He's He was... Uh, I, 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 really enjoyed playing with Kells. He was a heck of a hockey player, too. And actually, I brought him, help helped Gully bring him to Vegas, um, after his junior year, or his junior was done, but then he ended up playing in the American League the next year at another team. But, um, uh, but yeah, Kellers, uh, Kellers a, a, was a great, great hockey player, great kid. Petey, um, I have a lot of respect for Petey. I mean, he's, he's the captain that is born to be a leader. Um, you know, maybe acted a little bit older. It was a little bit more mature than your average 19, 20 year old, right? Like, yeah. he was a serious dude, like grumpy. Like, um, so it was actually funny. So one year uh, we came back for Christmas holidays or whatever, and, and, um, he was getting into it with someone, and then I got into it with him on the boards. Like, he was just being a dick, kind of. And we fought, or, kinda thought of it kinda of got broken up halfway through and I thought for sure like pd was the poster boy for for Saskatoon so I'm like, oh boy, I'm gonna be in so much trouble and Dix is like Dix brought me in after he goes, Yes, that's what you need. That's also leadership, hucks. You gotta stand up sometimes to that kind of stuff. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I have uh P D played hard. I mean, he's a guy that I wouldn't go out and say he had all kinds of skill and whatever, but even at the pro level he played hard, blocked shots, but he would go and score you the winning goal in overtime. He's a guy you want on your team. Um, again, like outside of the rink, nice, nice guy and everything, but a little bit, little bit more serious and a little bit uh, more standoffish in that sense. But was an amazing captain. I mean, there's no one else he would asked for as a captain. He was awesome.
1: Yeah, and then another guy. Um well, two more guys. Uh, one guy that you played with for a couple more years <clears throat> and I was always a fan of, and he kind of went unheralded in terms of toughness, but I was always a big fan of uh, Derek Couture.
0: Oh, Coats. Yeah, no, I'm actually still keeping trackers in. He's out in Cali. the uh, move there. He's into the real estate game and, and some other things. Um, he, yeah, he's good. You know what? He, he's that guy that is ultra-competitive. Me and him got in two practice fights, for sure. Um, it, but, like, he'd be like, I don't care if you kill me. I'll go you. I don't give a shit. You know, he's that guy. And um, he is very, very competitive. Very, very competitive. No, I I still keep in touch with him. He's a great guy.
1: Yeah, and then one last name, of course, all the, you know, listeners out there will know because he obviously went on. <coughs> Pardon me, folks. Still fighting my cold here. Uh, an NHL career uh, was Mike Green. Yeah,
0: I know Greener is a, is an amazing human. Um, I actually just went out for coffee with him last summer. You know, we it's hard. You, you try to keep touch, but, like, we do the best we can still. Um, I have a lot of respect for Greeny. I, I don't know what happened in the playoffs this year. Like, I was really pumped to see him do some damage in that bubble because I thought, frick, if anyone can get the puck to McDavid and stride, you know, it's going to be him. But um, Green, Greeny is awesome, and to be honest, like, it's funny when you hear all these Babcock stories and and all this stuff. I mean, you know, Kevin, I owe Kevin a lot because he he brought me there and he, uh, you know, taught me how to play the game, to be honest. Taught me, I had no idea about positional play and stuff like that. But there was a lot of things, like, you know, that, that you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying, like, abuseful, but, like, wow, he, he loved, like, he was a mentally mentally driven coach so like he did a lot of things where nowadays they'd probably be like that's that mental abuse or whatever and i just remember greenie driving home some days in tears because dick is dicks would be like what am i gonna do with you going to send you home like he would pull him into the office and rip him up and down the kid was 16 leading our power play and had like a point a game (laughs) it's it's unbelievable but but like yeah i mean uh you know like i said it's it's uh, and i like i said i owe dicks a lot but at the same time i was actually just sitting with sean moyer the other day another guy and and we were both like you know i mean (laughs) some of these kids are really soft nowadays if they only could imagine and and that's just that's just how the culture was right like like, hey, you—that's you, the boss. You do whatever the hell they say, and like, there's a lot of mental games, and, and you know, a lot of like stern talking tos, and it was a different a different era, right? Yeah. Nowadays, you can't get away with any of that stuff, right? But I, I just remember a lot of times, Greener, Greener was, uh, you know, it meant to, uh, to be honest with you, it probably made him mentally stronger. He's probably a lot more ready for pro dealing with coaches and stuff but yeah greenie was an amazing kid right from the second i met him what a what a guy and meeting him this summer you know obviously when you're younger you know everyone's immature and stuff and even when he first came his first few years of pro he obviously matured but different kid now you go talk to that guy i mean it's just like you you picked up just talking to a normal guy on the street he's so humble and and so good, and you know what? He's he's pretty in touch with himself and intellectually, and he's a great family guy and all that stuff. And um, definitely, definitely, someone you could even model yourself after. But yeah, he's he's had a hell of a career, and uh, what a talent he was. Yep. Um, the, the way the games played now, I mean, if he started then. He started his career tomorrow. He'd be top three, to the d man in the league, just when he first, when he only first started pro or whatever. If it was now, just the way there's no clutching and grabbing like the stuff he used to do is exactly how the game's played now. Like he's that Brett Burns, uh, yep. you know. You can name those guys that are are those guys are basically a fourth forward flashy right I he, he he was that back then
1: I agree yep for sure um, well just before we kind of move on here you had kind of mentioned um, uh, fighting different guys and I mean if um, you had mentioned like a guy like Lane Manson for those wondering Lane manson six foot eight so uh, uh, and how tall are you like legitimately six feet um, six feet. Yeah. I'll
0: tell you what, there you can you can use that against some of those guys. I mean, if you get put in a bad situation, um, that, you know, but you got to realize, like, Lane, I highly doubt Lane is, you know, I highly doubt Lane is, uh, you know, knew what his strengths were, were sitting there working on his freaking boxing or stuff like that. Like some of these big guys are now or whatever were right yeah. at that time. Yeah. He he, he, I mean, he tried to string you out and whatever. And I, I watched him in camp, just string a few guys out and beat them senseless. Like right? when I went to, when I was, uh, when he was with Atlanta and I was with, uh, who did I go with that year? That's when I was with Washington. But at the end of the day, you know, if you fight a guy like that, you can use their size against them. You you can use and get inside, and it's a lot harder to punch down than it is to stay inside and, and throw short ones, right? Um, but yeah, I know I, we had a really good fight or two. We we fought I think three or four times, maybe overall. But yeah, no, I I I understood how to fight Lane, but you know what, he was he was pretty tough kid.
1: Now, this has always fascinated me just to hear, like, I've had all these different guys on, and we've I've had Josh Mazer on, and Dean Mayrad, and Chris Walls, and Chris Graff, and all these guys, and we all, you know, I just kind of get their, um, how they fought, and their technique, or what was going through their mind, or what they like to do. Um, yeah, now it's a good enough time, that. I was going to ask you later, but may as well, we're talking about it now. Um, in terms of technique, when you were squaring off, or whatever, did you... Did you like to come in, or did you want him to come to you? What did you prefer?
0: Um, It it, it all depended, right? I mean, I I call it yellow, red, green, or uh, green, yellow, red. Uh, Green means, uh, like, I'm going to wait it out, and, you know, like, I'm waiting for him to come to me. I I know that he's pretty good at, like, on the entry of it, because I obviously study guys a lot before I fight them. Um, Yellow means... Let's see how this goes and red means I have to go after this guy like right away because I know I am I, better than him at this, right. Um, so I really studied that, but I mean my whole thing was I was, was very technical in the sense of once I got inside, got my wrap on your arm or whatever it is I needed to do, I waited for you to struggle and, and everything and then all along subtly, making my, my move so that I can go on the offense. And once I got on the offense, then I was really good because I worked a lot on boxing. Like I was off the ice, I boxed quite a lot. So I, I'm very trusting of being in a close proximity with someone and and reading where their head's going and all that stuff. And I'll trade my left, their right for my left. And I was really good at understanding the swinging away and, and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of guys just fight, like go crazy and fight. Like, I you know I fought DJ King quite a few times, yep. and then junior that uh, have really good fights. I got a funny story about pro, but but like Kinger, he, he's going to just try and beat you with his pure power, and he's going to get a bomb, and he's not afraid to take a couple and whatever. And so when I fight him, you know, like I got to be mindful of that, right? Like I can't let him get me out and beat me with his hands the size of my head right yeah. i had to get inside whatever and we had some really good fights but in pro we were actually i was with um calgary sent me to Lowell. it was the lockout year and we were playing against uh st louis's farm team um ugh, was it yeah <laughs> oh, well, where they had them uh, um but anyway it, so i lined up with kinger and we're we're like he's like you want to go I'm like, you want to go? And he goes, yeah. So then Robin Gomez thought I said that to him. So Robin Gomez starts backing off. So does Kinger. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to fight King. So then Gomez beat it or whatever. But in this whole melee, I drop my stick. So I go to square off him, and then I fell on my stick. And I just remember him going like this with his hands like hey get up and he started laughing and I'm like oh my god this is embarrassing this is a fucking AHL game whatever right like I was young too so you're trying to make an impression I'm like what an impression this is and I just kind of just kind of remember it wasn't like a real intense fight because I was it was almost like did I just happen, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, uh, but yeah, no, everyone, everyone brings something different and my fighting style really evolved. Obviously at the start, it was whatever. And then I, I started studying guys and then I, uh, I'm really good. Like I said, I, I later on, and especially when I was in Stockton and, and in the States, I worked a lot on, on my boxing and my jujitsu. I became really good friends with Nick and Nate Diaz, which we're still really good friends. And, uh, I got brought in and and stuff like that so i'm always was always like studying what to do and you know it's funny like you go later on in my career one of my last years there when i was in bridgeport i fought cam jansen i i lined up beside him and i i said janny i'm like man these young guys are brutal i'm like man i have you on my top all-time fight list like i want like dream of mine to fight you kind of thing i had to like basically stroke his ego for him to say yes and he's like dude you don't got to do any of that he's like yeah let's go i think he did it purely out of respect because he knows what it's like now and so we fought and uh, i had i had watched him so many times that i'm like if i ever fight this guy i got him because i understood he, he does this like double pump and then throw thing and i just telegraphed it every time he would pump I would I would hit him, but he also lets you grab too, and he lets you do the same thing. But when I do it, I'm gonna grab you. I'm gonna throw two like little ones, and then I'll throw an uppercut with your jersey in my hand, and then I got him a couple times, and he wasn't. And then then he started putting his head down, and then I got him a good couple lefts with his jersey in my hand and the eye. And I'll tell you the story about that in a sec. But uh, and then and but every time he throws, he's so strong. He'll if you just pull back, get out of his reach, when he pulls forward, right? you just jump forward and hit him and then back off again because he's so strong, he pulls you right into his body. So you meet him every time and I, re- I I've watched him forever and I'm like, I guarantee you this is this works." And so you yeah, know anyway, needless to say on the way home, uh, Tim Cece called me and goes, Dude, I he's like, I've been <laughs> waiting to kind of see. If someone fight janny like that or whatever blah 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 you get a black tie and you just start laughing or whatever right i'm not gonna say the actual conversation but um but yeah no i i, I again like i said it all depends who you fight but at the end of the day i'm six feet okay i am you know i have my limited i have capability limited capabilities so yeah i'm not gonna go out and fight heavies and go toe-to-toe with them just it's really it'd be really stupid. I, I want brain cells, and hey, I got a lot of respect for John Morasty and some of those guys. But man, I mean, imagine the damage of taking that many punches from some tough dudes. And John is tough as nails, but like, that's just not something I wanted to do. Is going like I'm I'm not I guess not as much of a man or whatever. But you know I'm not. You know I'm, I'm I only fought. Not for me. I never fought for me ever, ever, ever. I was always a guy, like, we're down two goals, I gotta go out and get the boys going. Protecting someone, whatever, right? Just the odd time it would be like something that was, you know, started or whatever, or the heat of the battle. Like, I'm not going out there, oh, it's too nothing for us. I'm just gonna go out here and bang it out with you. No, I'm gonna tell you, beat it. I wouldn't tell you, go run someone, go do something so that you give me a reason to. Right. um i I never really i never fought myself i was team-based all the time but i uh like i said before i studied a lot like i i did a lot of study i was a bit of a fight nerd in that sense watched a lot of guys you know and then before i fought a guy i always 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 watched videos of guys fighting him and try to figure out a game plan and, yeah, that takes away from your hockey. That's why you know, in my career, 60% of my fights are in the first 10 minutes because you want that load off your shoulders, man. Yeah. Going yeah. in there, right? Yeah. In, in training camp with the Oilers, I fought a guy named Ryan Flynn. He's a scary dude, man, he, and he's tough as nails. But, anyway, I knew he couldn't throw left, so I went in there. I tied up his right he went to his left thinking he was going to get it off. And I was inside on him and I got him and, and we ended up being good friends. We fought again to same thing. But, uh, I went right after him. Like I didn't even give myself 10 seconds of a shift in the first shift to camp. Cause I knew like, I got to get this off my shoulders. I'm never going to be able to play.
1: Yeah. How hard was it? Um, did you have a lot of, uh, I mean, I guess everybody obviously has anxiety the day before the game day nap and stuff. Did you find it ever got any easier, or was it just uh,
0: still tough? No, it's a a thing that lives with you forever. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Once in a while, you you wish you could be in that situation and feel that. But, you know, when it's actually happening, it it definitely, like, I mean, to this day, I don't sleep well at night and stuff like that just because you're so much, you're so, like, you're, you're basically, in my case, like, I'm not just some big guy that's, like, I could take a, you know i could be dead really with some of the guys you're fighting like they're massive they they throw heat um stuff like that you could you could get wiped off the face of the earth right i mean it's 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 a hard job and 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 it's it's really 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 bad how they've treated guys over the last you know a couple of years the way that the games went and you know you know you look at me for example like I'm not going to name teams or whatever but like you know i gave some pretty damn good years to some teams junior and pro and stuff and yeah you could call and they'll give you tickets or whatever but they don't they forget about you man like it's brutal you you sat there and protected all these guys and whatever and even the guys like it's it's a thankless job a lot of the time well it's happening you're getting all the props but after it's all done it doesn't really move you forward I, I don't know
1: yeah no it's an interesting um yeah. Well, what's the old say? What's the saying from the uh, from the movie Goon? Right when they're sitting in the diner, and he said, "Everybody loves the soldiers until they come home and they stop fighting."
0: Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing, like, right? But I I never had that. Any team I was on, like I'm I'm all in, like. I'll do whatever I have to do for the team you know and I did that throughout my whole career and I made some great connections and some met some great people and did some other things and whatever um, but at the end of the day like I said like you know there's guys that you could probably get a hold of and they won't answer their call or they won't text you back or they won't whatever and you're like hey remember that time or that eight times that you i bailed you out and and made sure that some guy didn't try to kill you on your way to the nhl you know remember that or stuff like that and and yeah like like i said most guys are good about that stuff but yeah it's it's a it's a pretty thankless job man
1: yeah absolutely no and like i said this is um I've always said this is that was the genesis of this show was that idea, right? That uh, you know, in, in my own little way, to get your guys' stories out there, because I think you know, it off, you know, especially nowadays, you know, you guys kind of get put in the closet, and oh, that's hockey's dark time, and let's not talk about all you know, the the dummies back then, or you know, just stupid shit like that. The people that you yeah. know nowadays, with as, as hockey's gone on, and I was always like, no, I want to get these guys out, share the stories, everyone has a story. And get what your thoughts on it were. So, no, man, I completely yeah. understand. No, this is great. Um, I completely agree with you. <clears throat> and it's a shame how some guys get treated. Like you said, king of the world when you're when you're doing it, but how quickly they forget.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 very quickly. Um, the states is pretty good. The fans still know, like, pretty sure. You know, I'll find it. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'll see the. Jersey at a night's game in Vegas or like whatever but like you know it's just it, it's kind of like the fans don't really forget you but like like the people that actually matter sometimes do and it's it's you get you're a piece of meat like at the yep. end of the day that's the it but even as a player you are but it's just like you just literally did the most horrific job for next to nothing for you. You're very selfless doing it. And it's, it's just like, you should be enshrined rather than like just being like, Oh, hi, bye, you know? But anyway, that's, uh, that's just the way it works in this biz.
1: Yeah. No, it's, uh, uh, no, coldly. It's like, Players are product, right? And they have a shelf life. And after their usefulness is gone, it uh, people move on. And it's the cold truth of sports, right? And it's uh, yeah, yeah, and no, it's a shame. Very,
0: and very, a, a very, very elite end up, you know, with a career afterwards, or whatever, right? But not, not everyone gets that that opportunity. But um, that being said, you know what? I owe everything to my experiences in hockey. Um, I uh, by the end of my career, you know. I'm, I'm playing against top lines as a shutdown guy. I'm, you know, became twice the player. And then, you know what, when I was actually done and, and I started training kids, I started actually, I probably became a much better player. I started working for power edge pro and it's actually hilarious because, um, you know, I'll go work with major junior teams. Like a couple of years ago, I went out with, uh, with the Brandon Lee Kings the year they won the mem cup actually, um, with pep with power edge pro. And, uh, Kelly McCrimmon was there, and, and Kelly's like, You gotta be joking. He's like, H-. So, first off, just so you know, I was in Regina the day before, so we did the past, and then we did the weekends uh, like two days later. And the first time, the first session, sure, she goes, I can't even believe that Adam Huxley and skill development are in the same sentence, blah, blah, blah. And then I went out and I I ran some of the sessions and how oh, I did my thing and was the demo guy. And after she goes, "Holy crap, you're unreal at this stuff, Fox. Where was this when you played?" And I said, "That's exactly why I got into this because when I played, I didn't know this. I chased the puck around like a piece of steak, tried to fight everyone, okay. But now I understand the way the game is because I now have, have to teach kids, right? And then the next th- next year. I, uh, you know, not next year, that w- that when we went to Brandon, same thing, Kelly's like, oh, my God. No way is Adam Huxley teaching the Brandon Lee Kings prep. I can't wait to see this. I'm going to get some popcorn type thing. And then afterwards, Kelly came up and shook my hand. He goes, man, you proved me wrong, Hux. So, you know, like, everywhere you go, you still, and I still face it, like, I go to NHL camps now. As well. I'm a level four pro. Um, with the company, there's only like four of us, like the owner, obviously, and then another guy, his kid, and then um, there's two or three, or one guy ahead of me, and then there's uh, like a couple of us that do, um, that can do pro teams and stuff. And so I'm at NHL camp, and yeah, I always run into guys like, "Hawks, oh, no way, you know, kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of funny, but it, it has, you know, it, it has actually got me where I want to go realizing like what I actually... Did was was not was actually counterproductive to the way the game's played now right so i had to change the way i thought of the game and, and everything else but then you know can never take that intensity out at the same time because now when i watch kids play i'm like man once in a while just mix one in you know like guys pushing me in front and that freaking give it to them like whatever you know now there's just like it's it's almost like frowned upon to react right Where back in the day when they told you not to fight at camp, it was like, don't fight at camp, wink, 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 looking at the three meets, right? Where now, nowadays, it's like, don't fight at
1: camp or we'll send you home. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. So, that's crazy. No, exactly. Um, Well, uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. We're still in Saskatoon. Yeah. um, Well, a name I wanted to ask you about. Well, you mentioned boxing. I. I read. I was doing re- when I was researching here. Did I read right that early on you actually trained with Kenny Lacusta?
2: Yeah,
0: Kenny. Great. That's actually how I learned how to learned how to box. Kenny Lacusta was awesome. He uh, he actually he what he was he was working with Grant McNeil who's my friend who we can talk about in a second. But uh, he was working with Grant a little bit, and then I kind of asked if I could work with him. And then uh, I started working with him all the time. And, yeah, Kenny was awesome. He actually really helped me a lot. I back that 19-year-old year, and I shredded, guys. Like, I guy was twice the fighter when I went back that next year. Um, but, yeah, no, me and Grant used to go to Kenny.
1: Well, speaking of Grant, you, you fought him a few times that year. Um, Grant McNeil's a tough dude, man. Um, what, how did those fights go? And, and how, how was it, what was it like fighting Grant? Because he did it for a long time, you know,
0: too. If you ever watch the UFC and the, you see the pre fight interviews, it's, it's like, you know, when this guy hits someone, they go to sleep. Like, that would be Grant's. Like, if you're promoting him, that's his thing. Like, I mean, he knocked out Bugard like twice, like, knocked him cold. Like, he's, beat the tar out of Brian McGrath and a bunch of guys. Like he's a tough kid, Yep. but again, blacks out, throws bombs. If you understand how to fight that, you can do it. And here's the funniest part about that. Me and him grew up together and uh, our parents pretty much went to the games together. And, uh, it's funny cause after the game, it was like, usually I go talk to him or whatever. He wouldn't even talk to me after the game in Saskatoon at the end of that year. Um, because uh you know like I said I I, I kind of he telegraphed some big punches and stuff and I just stayed inside on him tied up his right make sure it couldn't hit me with that power that he's got and it was awesome actually you know what there was like 10,000 fans there that night and I'm pretty sure that's the only time my name's ever got chanted in jr because <laughs> they knew how tough he was he was a tough kid like he like I said he would that year he was in the tough skid in the league, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I know the guy, I came back to the bench, and I remember Couture telling me, Hucks, if they don't keep you as a 20-year-old, he's like, I don't know who the hell they're going to keep. That's it. I just remember Coach saying that to me, which ended up being completely false. But, um, but yeah, I know Grant was tough as nails, but, yeah, our parents used to come to the games together, and it's just kind of funny, because we had to separate that night. He would, didn't really want to talk to me, but that being said, like a 2 8 Day or two and obviously, PA and Saskatoon were bitter rivals at that time. Yep. Um, but two days later, he texted me, or not texted me, MSN messengered me and said, Ah, no worries, bud, great fight, kind of thing. Like, he's such a chill, awesome guy. Um, it's actually funny because later on, I had a different opinion about fighting friends. Like, you know, I mean, I, I, we can get to Garrett Hunt in a second. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah, I was like, going to say,
1: We'll get to Hunt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like you know you yeah
0: you know Garrett you know you, it's kind of like the guy comes over to your house for supper all the time stuff like that and then he's asking you to fight off the first draw of the game and shit like that like it's kind of it's it's a little bit whatever we can get to him in a second but I, I have a different opinion I wouldn't fight friends anymore like it's not my thing I uh, back then I would fight my brother whatever I, but now I have a total different. Outtake on it after going to, to Stockton and just whatever being around Nate and Nick a lot, uh, you know that's just something you don't do. You don't fight teammates. I'm sure they've got offered fights with their teammates and stuff like that. Like some of the bigger guys, they just don't do it. Even if they train with the guy, they won't do it. So I, I have a, a different look on that now. But yeah, I know it was
1: kind of funny that our parents used to go to the games together and used to fight. <clears throat> that's a little awkward, but. Uh... Well, one of your teammates uh, in Saskatoon that year um, was Tanner Schultz. Uh, oh, Schultz. A- Schultz
0: is a great guy. like, not tough. Just willing to fight anyone. Oh, Schultz. He, what, he have, 45 fights when I was my 20-year-old year? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh,
1: he's like, fearless. 30. Yeah. Oh, he's
0: fearless. But, like, the first game, again, he came after me because I hit a guy. And, he, and once uh, he, he got his licking or two at the start, and I'm like, okay, you wanna really want to do this? And so I started getting going, and he didn't want anything. He went down, and he can say what he wants, but that's what happened 100%. But uh, you know what? I'll give it to Schultz. He, he did anything he could to stay. Yep. Dix brought him in. He was not a fighter at all. Like Dix brought him in as like a third-line grindy kind of guy. And then his twenty or nineteen year old year, he realized he had to do what he had to do to stay in the league. And well, he did forty five times.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, well, that year, uh, that after that year uh, is when you go to Phoenix camp, correct? After your second year with the Blades. No, oh, my first year I went to was Phoenix. The first year, um, that was a
0: great experience, so uh, Marty McSorley was my coach, and now I'm actually friends with Marty. He, act- he actually just came here last year for a charity thing we put on. Um, Marty's a great guy, but yeah, Marty was our coach, and uh, Shane Churlock was our assistant coach at that tournament. Tremendous. And then that's when Greta was the coach, so Greta and them were in the stands, right? We never really got to... I mean, you came in the room, but you don't get to whatever. Anyway, that Hall tournament, the year before um florida left the ice or florida not florida uh montreal or whoever they they left the ice because there was no fight rule so florida had like sheffelmeyer mcneil like you go down the list like of these guys that they had it was insane that Portland, like all these guys Crazy tough team. Crazy, crazy tough team. O'Connor, like, every even their middle eights, even their better players are middle Anyway, And you know, I guess they, like, ran them out of the rink the year before, so they made a rule that you can only fight twice the next year. Um, actually, I watched Grant beat the snot out of Brian McGrath, Really? Huh. Played, yeah, we were, we were the next game, so I was just sitting in the stands, just taping my stick. And and uh, yeah, he wanted not, no part of it. He beat him <laughs> pretty good. And that kid was tough. Yeah. He, he did those both. I got a lot of respect for Brian McGrath. But Grant, that's how tough Grant was, is what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, he was. No. Um,
0: but yeah, so that,
1: that,
0: so my first game I played um, against Florida, um, Campbell, uh, Colin's kid. Uh, Gregory <laughs> so right away I don't really get into it and I like he's not a fighter first off like he's a middle age guy but not really I gave it to him pretty good and then uh, it's funny because it ended up on TSN because he's Colin Campbell's kid or whatever but anyway um, it's actually really funny because leapfrog again back to the whole fighting thing a couple years later uh, we were in Columbus and he's their development director or something there and so we're in the room, and it was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, you, "You?" He's like, "Hey!" I'm like, "I'm Adam Oxley. He's like, "Oh, nice to meet you." I'm like, "I think you know who I am." You know, it's one of those kind of things that that guy's like,
2: "Fuck," yeah,
0: like it's kind of like an awkward like thing or whatever. And he just, I'm pretty sure he maybe didn't remember. I mean, he's had a hell of a career, knows a lot of guys, but I remember him vividly. So it was kind of funny. And I didn't really, I didn't bring it up because I don't know if he's really like down to be talking about that kind of stuff. He's a pretty serious dude, and it's a professional setting, so I didn't say anything. But it was just kind of funny.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> playing like he forgot. But uh, yeah, you know,
0: he, he, I'm like, yeah, you didn't. That. And then, and then the next, I, I, don't, I got, I got, gotten a few more fights, but very last game, the the first time we played Montreal in the round robin. uh, Mike Commissarek jumped. um, What was his name? Freddie Schutstrom, who's a first-rounder for Phoenix, uh, played in Calgary with the hitman. He jumped him, and so I went out. uh, Like, obviously, it was a vendetta thing. (laughs) Marty told me before the game, that guy gets it, Hawks. That guy gets it. And so I, Commissarek was by our bench, and the door was open. I hit him right into the open door so immediately you know how college guys are they think like i'm 23 years old like i was the big tough guy in college whatever you want to call a tough guy in college anyway and he dropped his stuff immediately so we fought and i absolutely fed him and he had a black guy at the bar and stuff later on when we all obviously all the teams went out or whatever but i, I just remember that marty's like he gets it. And you know what, right, man, he went on to play, what, for $8 million a couple seasons? Yeah. So, like, he gives a crap about who I am, but that's my claim to fame when it comes to him.
1: <laughs> I love it, Marty, laying out the, b- the bounties. Tremendous. Yeah. But, no, uh, like, he gets it. Well, um, so you come back to the 20-year-old and you got uh, traded to Seattle. Um, yeah, 20, I went to Washington. Yeah, like did you see that coming or did they kinda ask you or was it well, just you know, I knew there was
0: a lot of guys around there and to be honest, I I, I truly think it came the, the season started and I think we we're a week up the middle and uh, they had an opportunity to get Jeff Lucky. Well, at first it was Riddle. Um what the heck was his name? He Jake. everywhere he went. Jake Yeah, so Joe he was a can't, well, he wasn't, the, I don't know if he was really well received in the dressing room in most places, he went, or he was, but maybe a little too much. You know, I think he likes to the, the party a little bit, Jake, but nice enough guy or whatever. Anyway, he came, and he took he took over there, and then I went to Seattle, right? Because yep. they needed some help, and then Jake didn't work out, so then they brought in uh, Jeff Lucky uh, from Spokane. But, yeah, so I, I guess, to be honest with you, it kind of came down to who came available, and and it was between me and Trent Adamus, right? Well, yeah. Adamus is a, and a local kid, too, at that. And the chest kind of came down to me going, because they weren't going to get rid of Stephen Mann, but then Stephen Mann got hurt that year. So, yeah, no, I, I did not see it coming, but you know what? I, I wish... At the time, I was my heart was in fast for a lot of the time till the very end in Seattle. I, I wish I would have embraced it way quicker because met so many awesome guys there. Um, I'm like that. I've always I was good friends with him before I went there. But like Gertzie what well, Stephen is one of my really really good friends still to this day. We do a lot of work together and stuff. What an amazing guy! But Seattle is awesome. Organization is awesome. I mean, I go to the rink and uh, I see Russ Farwell, who is the GM slash owner he'll come up and say hi, hey, Hawks and whatever they still they, they treat you like gold still they, they're they a great organization if there's a kid that gets an opportunity to go to Seattle don't turn it down city's amazing and the organization's awesome but it was great and uh, obviously you know how Dino played if you've ever heard of stories about Dino he was an intense individual when he played
1: well that's my Dino, yeah Dino, your head coach was uh, for the for those listening it was Dean Chenauff, uh obviously a tough player in his day uh, how'd you get along with Dino
0: Dino was awesome. You know what he treated in the twenties. Again, we had uh, on paper we had a really good squad. Um, I I don't I don't know what what went wrong really. I, I really wish we would have done better for him because he deserved a lot more than we gave him. But well, I mean I did everything I can. But like we had some guys there that just underperformed, and it was just kind of a perfect storm. You expect Everett to be crap, right, and then expansion year, and then all of a sudden they. Did a Vegas right, well coached by Constantine, and ended up going to the final. I believe that year. So uh, yeah, I mean it was a perfect storm. You don't expect them to be good. The whole division was good, um, and and we just you know fell behind early and just couldn't get back in. And we had some young defensemen and some stuff like that. I'd say kind of cost us a little bit. But but at the end of the day,
1: uh, what an
0: experience! And and yeah, I mean I had some. Awesome, awesome fights there.
1: Yeah, you did. Well we'll get into it because I was watch I have that DVD and I was watching it. But uh one of your te- well, two of your teammates I gotta ask about. The first one I'm a big fan of and I'm looking to get him on the show. If you're listening, Zach, you gotta come on this show was of course Zach oh, the man. Hack, Zach Fitzgerald. I can get you hold of- I can get you in touch with Zach. Oh I talk to him on Twitter all the time. He's uh he's yeah he's he's being you professional him now. On. We gotta get him on he's, here.
0: He's a- He's hilarious, dude. Oh, I know. Yeah, That's one of my favorite guys. But I don't know if Zach ever told you this, but he fought me the year before I came there.
2: I was just gonna ask and
0: that. I busted his nose right in half. I, he, he actually the funniest thing is when I walked in the room. Well, you know how open he fights, right? Yep. So he's like, you want to go? He just goes, and I just obviously knew that, and I kind of picked him up part of it, and I hit him with a really hard right, right, in that, right in the nose at the start of the fight. That doesn't help, right? And uh, he, uh, he, well, he didn't go down because he doesn't go down, that kid. But uh, I saw him in the training room getting his nose fixed. But the next year when I got traded there, I go, hi, I'm Adam Huxley. He goes, hi, I'm Zach Fitzgerald, but you already know that because he did this and he pointed at his nose because he's a really funny kid. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. He's like, yeah, don't worry, whatever. Anyway, we ended up being pretty good buddies. But, yeah, no, Zach, he would fight anybody. But he doesn't fight like I fight. He's, he's out there. He's getting cooled or you're getting cooled. One of the
2: two.
1: Yeah. Well, guy, another name I wanted to bring up, a teammate of yours. I just want to know, because he had a big year. I was watching the DVD, and he had a really strong year that year when you got there. Did you help him out a lot? Was uh, Clayton Barthel. Oh, he was a tough kid. Yeah, he was. Clayton, he's a lot like Derek England. You know, he's
0: that kid where he's a sleepy, sleepy heavy. Like, you don't know it, but then you know it, you know. But, like, I would consider him a lot like England. He's not out there trying to fight guys and stuff. Still, you know, act a little bit like mean or whatever, but he doesn't have a mean bone in his body, layer like, with a sense where he's just going to go out there and try and fight guys and stuff. And to be honest, if he did, he actually could play too. So to be, you know, he might have went a lot further if he would have that streak in him, right?
1: Yeah. Well, like I well, said, you got you got to a few a few tilts out there, and uh, we we'll to throw some names at you. Of course, one of the names was a past guest, and uh, was Tristan Grant. And you guys yeah, fought, like, no. three or four times I think that year uh, yeah. like Tristan Grant throws both
0: hands super scrappy um, the first time we fought I, I don't know if he said this, but like I, uh, I picked him apart pretty good at the start of the fight and I'm like holy crap like I, I literally at one point I was giving him uppercuts and looking at the ref I'm like I think this guy's out like honestly I, I thought he was like lifeless like I felt like his grip loosened on me all of a sudden, he kind of, like, shook his head, like, and then he threw a bomb right at my head, and it just missed me. I'm like, what the hell? And then we were in the box, and I, I could swear he was a little off, but he's like, you, fu- you you throw pillows. He's like, you put me to sleep, throw pillows. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know that's if that's why you're asleep, but holy shit, I mean, that guy... He is crazy, crazy. Like he can fight. he can he can take one and give one. He's he's a tough kid. And then the next time we fought, right away uh, he went right to last because he knew that I would grab his right, and we just went toe to toe. And I think that one was online Maybe you saw it, but the first one was was a was a pretty good showing by me. The second one, I would give him a slight edge if it wasn't a really good fight. I think at the start he wins, and the end, I kind of take it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, super-duper scrappy kid. Had a hell of a hell of a career, too, man. I mean, yep. he ended up all over the place, played a lot of time in the American League and stuff. So he obviously wasn't just a fighter, because by the time we all went in, you had to be able to play, too, a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, another guy you fought three times that year was Cam McCaffrey. Cam, one of, the, one of the guys I had the hardest
0: time figuring out. First time I fought him, I would say... One of my only, like, again, I, I'm not sitting here saying I just go mash all these guys and whatever, because that's not true. I, we've talked about some highlight fights, but on a lot of my fights, they're pretty even. Like, I don't lose, but I don't win, but or they're good fights or whatever. Uh, just because of the way I fight with my technical side. But I would say Cam was definitely one of the, the first time I fought him. He definitely won that fight. Um, the next two, I figured him out a little bit and uh, used it against him. I fought him with lefts and stuff. But again, superhuman strength and guy throws absolute heat. <laughs> again, he's like McNeil. If he hits you with the left, you go, you're going to sleep. And he's mean, dude, when he fights. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um- he just thought one day, you know what, I, he signed with Calgary um, on a three-way before you, before when they used to have three-ways, and then he signed in the summer, and then he came to this development camp, and then just packed it in. After one year, I think he played half the year, and didn't even come to Vegas, just fucking shut it down. I that was that. actually kind of surprised. Went home, went to work, I believe he was a family guy, like super tough kid, though. Yeah, he was. Yeah. L- fierce
1: years left well speaking actually going back to this technique thing cause like I said I was watching your fights the other the, uh, the other night um, <clears throat> did you watch cause the only other guy that I've ever seen do this or up to that point that you were doing it the duck underneath the arm thing did you watch a lot of Doty Wood fights is that where you got that from
0: no I I got that from, from Gi like from Jiu Jitsu ok yeah, I got it from, from grappling and stuff, but it's pretty, the, the, the thing is it only works if you set it up. So if you're, if you're setting it up properly, it's a foolproof thing. And the next thing is you need to use your legs to make it work. You can't just put your head under someone's arm and think it's going to work. You need to get nice and low. You need to, to keep pushing up with your arm like you're trying to punch the guy but you're actually not all you're doing is making room and then when you feel his arm at the highest that's when you make your move on it and then you push back as hard as you can and snap your hips through and then there's no way he can hold your grip it'd be empirically possible right and then when he lets go you got to get right after him so that he can't grab you again yeah. No, I did it quite a lot and it worked very successfully and then guys try to do it to me but I can feel it and I'm, I'll always have my, the way I grab I double wrap my arm and I push my elbow down so yeah. you can't really do stuff like that to me the only way it, it, I mean like I told you, it's red light yellow light, green light green light means okay, take your time methodically, whatever yellow light means like it's A little bit of a scrappy fight, but you can still be somewhat technical. Red light means holy crap, you didn't get your grab or didn't whatever. You gotta just go, like you gotta try and not put him off with offense, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, because it's funny cause he like flying up the window. Yeah, <laughs> well, being be the fight nerd, of course, got all these fight DVDs and everything, and the, I can remember watching Dodie Wood do that in the early '90s. Ducking under people's arms on the old Seattle Thunderbird he was, tapes, and you were the only other person Regan, I've ever seen do that.
0: Regan Regan Darby um, Regan Darby, would oh, you still always talk about Doty Wood when I played pro my first year? Yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well. Yeah. Well. There's a lot of. You should go back and watch old Doty Wood stuff. I'm serious. There's a lot of actual uh, comparisons between the two of you because you're like the same size and you kind of fought the exact same. Interesting.
0: Yeah, well, I never got a chance to watch him, but I, like I said, I heard about him. So yeah.
1: he, uh, I heard he was tough. Oh, he's unbelievable. Oh, Dody Wood. Oh, absolutely. No, actually, go back on YouTube. Dody Wood. Check him out after. You'll you'll dig him. Um, another guy, legendary name, minor league name that the listeners will know that you fought. I think three times that year. Um, of course, the rivalry at Portland was Robin Big Snake
0: yeah you know what i i don't uh i i, I had a, like i think one fight i did really good you know what he was a really he was a strong kid but i you know i i, I didn't really have a great performance same thing with that other kid there uh who ended up carving out hell of a oh, career McLeod? to be honest, yeah to be honest with you cody mcleod yep. if you would have. ask me and Gertie actually were talking about this one day. If you would have said, "Hey, Cody McLeod's going to play ten years in the NHL," we would have laughed in your face. Um, but hey, perfect example of a guy that just stuck with the process, did whatever he had to for his team. You know, played his role. the very predictable hockey player for a coach, anything, and and made his way like the hard way. So you got to have a lot of respect for guys like that. Like he did whatever he had to do, and he found a niche and he and he went with it and. Like I have a ton of respect for that guy, but um, anyway, needless to say, both those guys it just you couldn't really get in a couldn't really get in a groove fighting them. Um, just I mean, I just didn't have a I didn't have really good. I think I might have had one good one with Robin, but I, I don't like. It was more like a really clutchy grabby fight. It's hard to get loose from him, and he didn't get loose, and it was kind of like whatever. Um, there was a one kid there, and he was talking. The, uh, this is his name. He talked. He talked. He would he, beat he betrayed me. He, he tried to fight me so many times, and I was 20. I was like, beat it, kid. Like, I'm not fighting you. Like, you're terrible. Whatever. You for, and, for Portland. And then finally, one time I was going off the ice, and he shouldered me, and I'm like, fine, screw that. So I turned around, and we fought in between shifts. And I, I, I I've never been more mad, and I took it out on him. I beat him very good. What's his name? He'll be on that list of uh, my twenty year old year.
1: Halifax? Uh, nope. <laughs> I don't have it. O- I don't have it open right now. C.J. Jackson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah, it
0: was unbelievable. He, he shouldered me. I'm like, what? Finally, I just bought him, and I'm like no, I don't think you're going to want to fight me again. Right. Whatever you know, kind of thing. But, but yeah, no, it was, uh, we oh, man. The rivalries out, all out there were awesome. Yeah. They had really good. But again, back to the thing, you can't beat the East, the East, with the original teams, those teams hate each other, always have, always will, and those are the best, like, back when I, my very first year, when you could still be in line balls and stuff, or before I got there, where they only could, they did one team warm-ups and crap yeah. like that, because of all that, that would go on, and taking people's nets, and all kinds of crap, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy out in the East.
1: Well, before we leave Junior, the one thing I have to ask you about, and, um, uh you know, I don't know how much you want to get into it or if there is a story there or not, but and I've heard some things, and whatever, we won't get, you know, okay. But, um, and he got, I don't know what incident, it was a gross misconduct in Prince George, you and Later, did you guys get into it with something?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't remember what happened in that that fight, but so Later was in Saskatoon when I was there, and uh, and I didn't really like him overly and whatever and then he did some shit there and I'm like oh yes I get a chance to fight this guy and so I was giving it to him and I'm pretty sure A I either threw my helmet at him hit him with my helmet or hit him in, with the helmet in the hallway
1: okay pretty sure that's what gross was yeah cause it just had later Oxley fighting gross misconduct so it didn't say what it was but yeah uh. But I I, have heard, I had heard that later had like fucking heat with people, so I was just wondering yeah. if you had any no,
0: issues with him. No, and, and it might have been. To be honest with you, he did. Did I get it or did he get it?
1: I think he got it.
0: Yeah. No. You know what he did? He grabbed his balls. Oh. He went like this, and in front of all the fans. Right? And but I to be honest with you before that all happened I found my helmet. <laughs> but I, I thought I didn't think I got a gross. Yeah, no, he did. He grabbed his like pulled it up, you know, like suck it kind of yeah. thing. And that's what well, like in the middle of the ice. So what do you think the ref's gonna do?
1: <laughs> so
0: that's there. what happened with that.
1: Well there you go. I was just curious. Um Well, so after this, so you you're you're twenty at this point. <laughs> um well, you're 21. Obviously, you're turning pro. Um, and you end up in Vegas. Um, how, yeah. how, how did that all go down? And uh, and uh Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, so,
0: I didn't... That summer, I didn't really have an agent at the time. I kind of was in between and whatever. So, I was enrolled at U of S with Dave A. And I was planning on going there. I had some good friends going, like Steven Mann and some guys. Um, and I... Uh, um, I ended up sending a letter to Calgary saying, Hey, I would love to come to your training camp. This is my whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'll do whatever you ask, blah, blah, blah. And one day just out of the blue, uh, Daryl Sutter called me and said, Hey, Ox, Hey, I got your thing here. Would you want to come to camp? Oh thingy, you. I like this. Show some initiative kind of thing. I was like yeah sure so i i said yeah absolutely so then i ended up getting invited to camp there so then i went to camp and and i had a really really strong camp right um really really strong camp and and so i was sitting on the couch with daryl and he says okay well what do you want to do Hux? and my and then i had an agent at the time and he kind of instructed me don't take a three-way because they were kind of maybe they would offer a three-way he's like you you don't want to be on a three-way because they can just stick you in the coast for three years, which, in hindsight, really didn't matter. Um, but then, I, so it was a lockout year. So he goes, well, we'll sign you on a two-way with Lowell but then and Vegas. And I said, well, I don't really, with, with the same amount of money in the coast that I would have got anyway. And so my agent at the time just said, why would you sign that to lockout year? Do you think you're going to get called up to the, to the, to the HL? He's like, if you don't, you end up making the same money regardless. At least if you go to the coast, like because we were sharing with Carolina that year, like Carolina, Lowell had Carolina guys, and actually they all went to The year before, Calgary went to the cup final. The next year after the lockout, Carolina won the cup. Right, So you can imagine all the players that are like Stahl and Ward, like like tons of the guys from the cup team the next year were there, plus guys that were in Calgary like Chuck Cobasu and a bunch of guys that were part of the run the year before. And so he's just like, go to go to Vegas and just on a, on a Vegas deal, and then at least you have a chance to get called up somewhere else. So I went down there, and I couldn't. Uh, I, I kind of had this shoulder bicep tendonitis from fighting all the time, so I ended up taking a cortisone shot, which now I wish I didn't do. But um, I found other ways to help it out. But um, I, and, and so I sat out the first month. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> Vegas is a crazy place. The first week living in Vegas is another story. <laughs> I mean, you learn a whole lot about life. Oh, ups and down. City, Rolls- city, yeah. Like, you know, the first day I was there, I made like two grand on the blackjack table. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be rich this year. If I-. And then you find out in a hurry that goes as fast as it comes. Right? And stuff like that. It's just a roller coaster and then like all the stuff I saw and did there and whatever and I mean the first year obviously then my last year is already completely different right I mean you you understand the perks of of the city, but you also realize like, the community and stuff like that. Right. And there's just a whole lot of different things you get involved in and stuff, right. Where the first year you're just exploring and whatever. Right. But what a, what uh what a crazy, crazy. Place. Yeah,
1: well, there, you find out there's more to Vegas than the strip. Right. So yeah. yeah but, uh, but I love Las Vegas. We go every year and, and it's funny cause you guys played out of the Orleans and we always stay at the Orleans and, Oh, I love it there. No, oh, I, I love me some Las Vegas. So, um, yeah, your first year. Well, so here you are in Sin City, and you, you got some characters on the club. You got, like you said, you got Derek Anglin, Regan Darby. Um, but one name that, that I have to ask you about is if he's infamous, is Billy Tibbetts. Oh, my God. I'm waiting for someone to ask me about Billy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been about Billy for days. You know what, though? If Billy ever heard this, and didn't agree with my story, he'd probably fly here and during the quarantine and beat me up or try to kill me or something. No, I actually... I, I was talking to someone the other day, actually, one of the guys, and who was I talking to from Vegas? Oh, Dana Lattery. And he goes, man, he's like, Billy Tibbetts will randomly just call me and say, I miss you, buddy. Um, No, Billy Tibbetts was... like I obviously didn't really know a whole lot, and then once... Once we found out we got him, he was coming. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, why, why, why is San Diego getting rid of a guy that has a goal a game, ten games into the season? That's insane. Like, what, whatever, right, kind of thing. And then I kind of looked into the the whole thing, right? And I was like, whoa, this guy's like loco, kind of thing, right? Well, then you hear stories about uh, like, like. Um, Uh, What's his name? Clark, the GM for uh, Philly. Philly's waiting in the parking lot for him after he sent him down. And like, he had to get, like, uh, guys on the team, (laughs) like, the top guys on the team to walk him out to his car and, like, crazy shit like that, right? Um, And whatever, like, obviously being in the jail for how long. I mean, I feel really bad because I think he got scapegoated in that whole thing. Um And he was just over 18. The only guy over 18 involved was whatever. I'm not even going to get into any of that. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it obviously did something to him there. But, yeah, everywhere he went, guys would have jumpsuits on. And, man, he melted in the bathroom a couple of times. Like, I felt pretty bad for the guy in that sense. But, oh, he's, he, he can score. He might go out and get a hat trick or he might go and get a match penalty when it's 2-2 with one minute left. You, you never know, he is completely off the wall. Like the first time and my my girl moved with me in my first year, she's only like nineteen or twenty. And we go to this place after every game. They they give us a free meal after as a sponsor. And uh I'm sitting at a table, me her and, and Dustin John and, and Billy Tibbetts says, Oh, can I sit here? and so he sits down and he's he's uh gonna like he starts talking and then we're all eating already, and he just orders his food, and he puts a napkin down and throws his uh, his fake teeth right on <laughs> right on the napkin right in front of like uh uh food. Oh my God! I'm like he—that's the kind of stuff he do. But yeah, he'd be he picked me up one time for a game. Hey, you want to ride to the game? And everyone was telling him that he wouldn't fight this one guy or whatever, right? And he's like, he's just getting all jerked off. He's got to be going ninety down a... Fifty. He's flying. He's like, do you think they can beat me? He thinks he can beat me. There's no way. I called my old coach and all my old players. This guy can't beat me. He's not coming. He's like, he's not gonna beat me up. He's not whatever. And he was just like frantically, like just amped right up. I mean, I can tell you story after story about Billy. He is insane. My favorite one though, all time. My dad came out, so we had a wives. So there's a couple wives on the ice at Christmas, and my dad right? And so I get in my gear and we're going to go and do something. My dad, my dad's like an older guy or whatever. And, and Billy, because he stayed home for Christmas, like there was only three of us that stayed back. Everyone went home. And so my dad's in the corner and Billy's like, okay, well, we might as well be doing some drills or whatever. So my dad's passing a pocket. My dad gave Billy a couple bad passes and he comes up to my dad and he points at the tape on his blade. He turns the stick over and tapes on like, See this? This is the tape. That's where you gotta hit. That's the tape. Don't you know how to pass? That's the tape. You gotta hit this. It was unbelievable. <laughs> like we're out here for a for a little like family like skate around, and he's losing his mind and like oh telling the girls to stay in on one end, shouldn't be out here, and like oh my god, he's so funny. <laughs> but I think I, well, then, like, like you said, finally time. when Gully finally when Gully cut him, he got me and Derek England sat, stand near the room. Case something happened, but then he he, he he. we went in after like how did it go? And he goes surprisingly well. So, well, but yeah, anyway Billy Tibbetts, what a guy! Well, I was gonna say, and then and I, you know the next year he went on the, to be a Bruin or whatever the heck it is, and then two years later he led the Chicago Wolves in scoring. So that just shows you how talented he is.
1: Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think what gets lost in the Billy Tibbetts stories and the saga. Um, was how talented the guy was.
0: Oh man, his body and and his skill set and his his toughness and everything. If he was if he was uh, at all uh, mentally strong, he would be in the NHL off uh, for like twelve. 12- 10 years he would have been a he would have been a marquee player making millions of dollars i mean he has lots and lots like he could probably I, I don't know where he is now and i haven't seen him but i bet you if he strapped him on right now he could go out and play that's how talented that guy was
1: absolutely um well so you played vegas you had the you had 300 minutes the first year and you know you're um and like you said uh you guys had a pretty big rivalry there with uh, bakersfield and fresno and one of the names I wanted to throw at you because he played in the East Coast for a long time and you guys had your run-ins uh, Lance
0: Galbraith
1: <laughs> you know
0: what probably one of the most effective players ever I mean uh, Boise won two cups there while Laxdall was there Yep. both uh, no Gio was there once and then Laxdall was there both years I would say calby is a big reason why they won but man is he an absolute Freaking little Pest to play against Like he He's that guy That you want to kill Like We were in a fight And I'm pretty sure He punched me in the nuts And <laughs> on the ice When I got on top of him Like he wouldn't Fight me straight up Like He, he hit me one time And uh, The first time we ever fought He suckered me he said he wouldn't go, wouldn't go. Turn around, hit me once, and then I lost my shit and freaked out and probably beat him down. But, but before that, like I mean, he was he was scrappy. He wasn't gonna be tough, but but man, could he get under your skin? He'd be like, he's the coast, uh, uh, Brad Marchand. Yep. <clears throat> that would be that would be the ideal guy to compare him to, and that's how effective and skilled he was. I mean, he. When I played in Stockton, we had a hell of a series with them. That's the year they won the second cup. Um, and uh, I would say he, I'm pretty sure he scored one or two overtime goals. Like he was a good player, too. Yep. Man, is he not a great skater. So he couldn't play at the next level. But wow, wow, did he get under your skin? He's got a heavy compete level.
1: <laughs> well, the following year, uh, well, from one end to the other, you go from Vegas to Victoria. Uh, were, were you happy with the move or uh, uh no you know what i i i was in chicago i got i got sent
0: down and i could have went to like two or three other places but i begged gully to go back there even though i think gully had different ideas just because i wasn't a calgary guy anymore and whatever but he he gave me the opportunity because of what i did for him the year before so i came back and Um, man, I did everything I could to stay, and I, I, you know, arguably should have stayed, but uh, Gully had to keep this Belmar kid, so I ended up being the expendable guy, and it was kind of a dragged out situation or whatever, and so where, I could have got traded out east somewhere, but uh, Vic was closest, and I think Vic gave them money or whatever happened, or he traded me for a bag of pucks for all I know, but Brian Maxwell obviously likes players like me, so he offered for me to go there, right? Not offered, but wanted me to go there. So then then Gully traded me there. So then I went out there, and oh, what an experience that was. That was an eye-opener. That was kind of like the point of my career where I'm like, I don't know if I'm cut out for pro hockey. This is a disaster. Like, it was a dreary... Like, I never played on a team. Like, the year before, we didn't make the playoffs, but I never really played on a team that that the give a F meter was so low so early in the season. And, like, just the guys they brought there, like, they brought guys out of the woodwork that hadn't played in, like, three years and all kinds of crap. And the off-ice issues that that team had, some guys, and, like, It was probably one of those times in your career where you're like, you know, you're like, I don't think I'm ever going to make it through this. I don't see any bright days past this kind of thing. Yeah. And a beautiful place, met so many amazing people I still talk to, but at the same time, just the hockey side was really, really weird. Um, You know, uh, Brian Brian is Brian, right? You know, I have a lot of respect for Max. I liked him a lot. But, like, at the end there, you know, he's, he, a couple times I'm pretty sure he was yelling at the red line for tripping guys. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, I got a lot of respect, but he laughed halfway through, and then uh, Ward came in. Uh, he ended up in, uh, what, what was his name? What's that? Anyway, halfway through the season, they changed coaches, and, and the oh, new guy came in. Troy he Ward. Was there from the, Troy Ward, yeah. Troy's like... So Troy is the opposite. Troy is, like, like sleeps at the rink watching video and, it, like, totally sees the game at a certain level and, like, his practices are pretty thorough and the systems are everything and blah, 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 right? But then, you know, complete opposite of kind of what Maxi was doing. Maxie was old-time hockey. Um, but the thing with with Troy is... Whatever you are on paper to Troy, that's where you fit in. If, if you're, if you had, if you're a fighter and you get 200 penalty minutes a year, you play nine minutes and you play on this line. Doesn't matter. Like he, he doesn't, I didn't think he felt the pulse of the game very well. Like it could be a night where teams are running you out of the building you all. He's still going to play these guys this much on this situations doing this, and you're going to play this much. And you're, but you're expected to go and fight, do your thing. So that's kind of, the way he was. And then, uh, after that, that was a one stop for him. And I, I believe he went back to the American League or Pro or somewhere like that. And he ended up being a coach in the American League for a while and then the dub. But yeah, he's a very my way or the highway guy, but he was a very analytics based, uh, like, you know, you get to the rink and, you know, every single thing's broken down on the wall for your game and blah, 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 right? So completely different setup compared to, to when Max was there.
1: Yeah, the uh, yeah well, Brian Maxwell. Yeah, I've I've had a couple players on the show here that have been coached by him, and yeah, they got some stories for sure. Um, oh yeah,
0: he'd be darting. He he's still smoking darts in between intermissions and stuff. So like I love Max, he's, but he's old time. I mean that's stuff they used to do, right? Yeah. So like I I got all the time in the world. I I think he's a great guy, but. Wow, And but, man, I, that's a guy I don't know if I would have wanted to mess with back in the day, like, that's when guys were tough, like Terry O'Reilly and guys like that. My God. So that's the kind of guys that those guys fight, man, but th- that's how tough
1: those old guys were. Oh, absolutely. All right, so we're uh, we're in Victoria. You have a rough year in Victoria. At that point, uh, when the season's done, uh, <laughs> what, what's Adam Huxley's game plan? What are you thinking? And Because uh, you yeah. end up... Oh, I-
0: Every year, <laughs> every year, uh, obviously, other guys probably talked about Smurf, Jason Christie. Yep. Every year, Smurf would be like, "You're hey, gonna come here wherever you like, Utah or wherever, right?" And 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 he'd be like, "He'd be like, okay, well, then you'd get down to numbers, and he'd be like, okay, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you uh, uh, six fifty a week or seven hundred a week or whatever it was, right?" And then you would get the contract and it would say 525 <laughs> so you know, I'm not signing this and sending it back so like I was gonna go to Utah right but then um, I had t- been talking to Chris Hockey, who offered me 700 and I was like okay well I'll take that but then I got there and he put me down to 525 so anyway so uh, I ended up signing and going to Stockton thinking oh, i'm going to southern california there's beaches and like this is going to be a nice place and then you get to stockton and you're like okay this is not what i pictured california to be like
1: <laughs> well i've never been to stockton so uh gangster
0: gangster it's uh it's a crazy place like I, i'm pretty sure when teams go to play them, and even the guys that live, like there's a hotel that people live in right beside the rink, there, pretty sure that they're instructed not to go walking around a night near there and stuff like that. Like it is a hardcore, hardcore place, like like third world country in some places. Place like it's not. Uh, it's it's like if, if you've ever heard anything about Oakland, it's like Oakland.
1: Yeah. Well, no, no wonder I mean, you became friends with the Diaz brothers. Yeah, I know, and that's,
0: and that's where, you know, those guys are, and, and they live there still to this day. I mean, obviously they don't live down where they live, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's where they got their character from, and that's where those guys, you know, live and everything else. And, you know, I, man, I, I, I've met so many great people. I have so many really, really good friends, um, from there that aren't even hockey guys, um, I'm a whole nother life and everything else. And I really, really, really enjoyed my time there actually. Uh, other than, you know, like I said, it's like, I, I went back the last two years for some, you know, just to visit Nathan, maybe a training camp or two or whatever. And it, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's even now, like after I've lived there for a lot, you know, four years of my life, I, it's still a little bit of a shocker when you go from Wainwright, Alberta, to Stockton.
1: You know, I can imagine. Um, well, yeah. Let's just talk about the Diaz brothers. How did you meet them, and, uh, so what and like, at- give us some dirt. What's what are the Diaz brothers really like? Oh, amazing guys.
0: Amazing. Like probably probably some of the best dudes you'll ever meet in your life. Best guys. Best. Best everything. They're they're stand up like unreal guys. Um, just so proud of everything they've accomplished. I mean they've. I mean, you know, you look at Nathan, he, he deserves to be a superstar, and so does Nick. I mean, Nick's chosen, you know, uh, hasn't fought in a while or whatever, and I don't know if he will again. That's up to him, but he's paved the road for all those other guys, and you you look at those guys, I mean, it's it's awesome. Right? When you think of him, there's not a person that doesn't know who Nate Diaz is after that, especially after the McGregor fight, and even before that. What people miscue is, like, those guys aren't anti-hero. They're just anti-system. Like, they don't play by the rules. I mean, they're like, you know, these guys are tapping gloves and, like, smiling and shaking hands and hugging before the fight and, like, crap like that. Like, to them, it's war. Like, so, but people, you know, they come across as these guys that are, like, well, they think they're gangsters. Um, no. <laughs> Dude, you're locking them in, in, them in a cage to fight with someone. Why Why would they act like that? Like, what? what that's fake. Right And they're just the most real people you'll ever meet in your life. the way they act, the way they talk, everything it's all real, but at the end of the day, like nicest guys ever and to this day still amazing, amazing amazing dudes, um but yeah, anyway, how did I met him, so I was got in fight one night uh in Stockton, and then we went to this place afterwards, and Nick, I guess was at the game, and then he came up, and he's like, "Hey, you're that guy that, who's that guy that fought and I'm like, oh, that's me." And he's like, "Hey, I think you'd really like what we do. Here's my number. Um, call me or text me to come over to the gym. And I think you'd like what we do over there." So I actually, like, you know, the next week I texted him. He goes, "Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, gyms at this time," which was the wrong time. And if, if you know deck at all, he beats his own drum. It was probably a half an hour late for class. So I walked in there in a place full of killers. Basically, like these guys are car like there's a lot of pretty bad dudes in there like as far as how tough, tough they are and martial arts and jiu-jitsu and boxing and everything there's some tough guys anyway i walked in there a little late nick wasn't even there yet and then nick finally came in or whatever and so i sat there and I, I, walk, I like did all the class they do in the classes you roll around great right? Like they teach you moves and you keep, you, you put them to practice just like anything else you do. And then, then there's like free roll after you do all your moves, then, then you'll, you'll pick a partner and you go five minute rounds. Well, my first ever grappling partner in Jitsu was Nick Diaz. He's like, you go with me, man. And he goes, and, and then he tapped every limb on my body out at least 10 times in that five minutes. <laughs> and he's like, dude, you're strong. And I'm like, man, you just absolutely manhandled me. Like, killed me. And so after that, I, I was kind of hooked or whatever. So then I would go a lot, and I got to be kind of friends with them at the gym or whatever. And then one time, the team was on the road, I was suspended or whatever. And Nick goes, hey, you can box, can't you, box?" And I go, yeah, I love boxing. And so he's like, yeah. Hey, and I was like, but I don't got a mouth guard. I said, ah, oh, shit. I'm like, well, no, I'll run. So I ran over to, like, the sports authority and got a mouth guard, put it in some hot water, bit it into her. And then, yeah, we we sparred three rounds. And, and I'll never forget, I was did a little move. I faked high and then hit him right in the stomach with a right, like a hard one. I could see him, like, wince a tiny bit. And then he's like, oh, yeah. And so then he started coming forward and doing shit. And then he put his hands up, like you know just to fuck with me basically and uh boom hit me dropped me onto one knee like in the same spot I thought he was gonna hit me high and then he kept punching he's like are you all right man and then you know anyway after the session he, he goes Hux he goes hey you want to come over to the house he's like come on, hang out with the boys or whatever and so I went over and the rest is history I you know spent lots and lots of time with both of them over the last you know how many years I you know actually it's funny the other night at like two in the morning Nick just uh FaceTimed me he's like I was just thinking of this ox and whatever so I still keep in pretty good touch with those guys yeah um
1: well being in like obviously in Las Vegas and the kind of the center of the UFC and all that stuff um did you ever have any run-ins with uh Dana White um
0: I've been around Dana quite a few times just with Nathan like I've actually like been in the back of the weigh-ins and all that kind of stuff just with nathan around i mean i've seen him actually just last year i went in the madison square and i was in the back with like all the boys and whatever like rogan and guys like that i mean i've like in passing it's like hey just because you're with nathan or whatever but not not like openly sat there and chalked it up with them no but i i have been around him yes if that's the answer
1: yeah i was just curious i don't know he. uh I'm not a massive MMA guy or anything. I mean, so I'm not going to start naming guys because I, you know, I'm not, I don't follow it that close, but, um,
0: you like, like Nathan's, Nathan has a, has a really love, hate relationship with Dana, I believe. So, (laughs) I don't know. like he gets the better of Dana, I think. So I don't think Dana really likes like, they're, they're cool. Like uh, when they talk, probably just like walking and I think they probably be tight, but like, they're probably fine. But like, I, I think when it comes to any negotiating whatsoever, Dana tries to strip the back off guys and, and Nathan does not have that. And that's why they're in constant quarrel. But that's why everyone loves Nathan. At the UFC cheers for him to lose because they don't want to have to pay him what he's worth. And he just, they, they they do it like last year. They got him in that Nasdal fight because they they basically he had them on their knees, and then they they pray and he that gets stopped, and then Dana immediately says there's going to be a rematch, but then doesn't won't let it happen. Oh, yeah, that fight was, it was out of control, and, like, it was worse than I thought. And, yeah, we have different plans for Masvidal, all because he doesn't want to build up Nathan because he knows that he's a monster because he's going to, you know, I mean, they try to short guys on money and stuff, which is crazy because you look at hockey and, you know, the top elite NHL or uh, MMA guys, like, not, like, the super superstars, but, like, the guys that are pretty... Well known, they don't make as much as a as a league men forward in NHL. Not even close.
1: Well, I know I know that much. Looking into it, I mean, oh, the so salaries are just are pathetic. What he pays these guys, and it's like I don't know. Yeah. I was gonna. I'm like I've always looked at Dana White and the stuff I've seen. To me, he seems like a douchebag. I mean, I mean I don't know. He comes across like that to me. I mean, there was a guy here well, in Saskatoon fighting. I can I, I mean, I, I can't, can't remember his name. You. But he, uh,
0: I don't think he's, he's a guy that you're going to go and like, you're not like, Hey, this is the nicest guy on earth. But I mean, you got to respect the guy literally took a company out of the, for like, whatever it was, barely nothing to a billion dollar industry. So oh yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's be honest. The way, only way to make that kind of stuff happen is to cut throats on the way. Right.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just going by the the the, pub, the public view of him and to me it's like yeah. just like you listen to him in interviews and it's just like I don't know. I don't know. To me he's just greasy. But but now but, yeah, there's no doubting that obviously how it turned into a billion dollar business and yeah, there's no doubting his business acumen for sure. Um I was just going to say yeah, there was a guy his name is escaping me now, but he was a fighter from he's from Saskatoon that it was in the UFC. I mean, he was kind of a prelim guy but but I remember he was on a couple of the pay per views early, you know, the opening fight or whatever, back in the day. Oh, and I remember he was like an accountant or something, and and he was like losing money fighting in the UFC, and it was just like, how are you losing money fighting in the? It's like it's just like I'd be like, oh yeah, I I got called up to the Islanders, and I'm losing money by doing it. It just sounds ridiculous, right? It's just like what's going on? No,
0: it's crazy. Yeah, no, I'm. It's a different different world. So, like. But that's the, the insane thing is, you know, hockey guys don't fight for five minutes, right? But at the same time, some of us were fighting 30, 40 times a year, depending, you know. Yeah. And and we were getting peanuts too, but at least the guys in the NHL got rewarded, right? Like, you know, some of them had like nine, 10-year careers, made, you know, 10, 12 million bucks. That's awesome. But that's, yeah, it just shows you, hey, yeah, just like us, they're just a piece of meat, those guys.
1: Yep. Well, we'll get back to the hockey here. Well, you mentioned the Stockton Thunder. You're there for three years, and <clears throat> you briefly, we talked about him earlier. But of course, Garrett Hunt, and I was a huge Hi. Garrett Hunt fan from Vancouver. And uh, you end up your teammates with him. You've been on both sides. You've been teammates with him, fought him a million times. Um, what are your thoughts on Garrett Hunt? What's it like fighting Garrett?
0: Well, you know what? So when Garrett came. So right away, Garrett, they tell us no fighting. And they I think they're a little serious about it. And he comes up and he asks, like, he asks me and Stortini every shift. Stortini is a whole other story, by the way. But they yeah. hided him. Like, yeah, we got to get there. Um, he, uh, he asked me to fight, right? Then he asked Sorts, Then he asked this guy and that guy. And they told us, they said, we do not want you to fight. You can save it for exhibition. So finally, I turned around to Charlie Huddy and I go, "Can I fight this guy?" And he goes, "Yeah, sure." So we line up, and and I don't like I've watched Garrett fight before Oh my, I he was cut. I cut him pretty good, and I beat him pretty good off the draw. Right, like I got him really good. So he, so I'm like, everyone's like, "Oh, thank God, Hawks!" Like, With Laddie Smead's like, "God, that kid will shut up now." He pumped him, whatever. Then, sure enough, he goes and gets stitches, and he's back on the ice asking me to fight again, and freaking Cuddy's like, no, no more. And I think Billy Moore's even told him just to shut up and start to play hockey. Anyway, so then, uh, I go down, and end up, what, he ends up getting sent to Stockton at one point, and I was up until um, the very end with, with Springfield, and then I got sent down to Stockton. And so I went down to Stockton, and, um uh, uh, you know, Garrett's out there going, trying to square off with, like, heavyweights that are, like, 6'4", and he's, I'm like, man, here's the deal. So he got pumped one time, good, or whatever at the start. I go, here's the deal, dude. I go, what are you doing squaring off with of these guys? I said, you have no business squaring up. I don't care that you fight them, because you gotta, if you <coughs> gotta, like, live a normal life after this, you better figure out like a different strategy man like you need to you need to think about this kind of thing right so i said garrett like you shouldn't be squaring off the guys If these guys want to fight get on them quick get inside whatever right so you have no business squaring off with guys that are six four or whatever so i helped him out kind of guided him along whatever and then he used to come to my house for supper all the time we'd make him food and whatever and yeah, by the end of the year he, he you know, we changed coaches halfway through and uh the new coach really loves him, Matt Thomas, another short guy, has a little bit of small man syndrome, actually a really good coach, like Maddie a lot, but he's uh he, he absolutely I think he literally lived through Garrett, I'm pretty sure. Like he's like Garrett's doing what I wanna do. So uh, he, like he loved him. He made him captain and like and give be honest, Garrett turned into a pretty effective player as well and stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't go and say had a ton of skill, but for a couple of years, and would knock some goals in and shit. He'd still fight, but um. But anyway, so then the next year, I get traded, and uh, and but yeah, Garrett was the most gullible rookie on the face of the earth. One one time, he and and Villette, uh Craig Vallette were sitting beside him, and I could watch it and. So I sprayed some uh, pledge beside my head, and I'm like, I breathed in, pretending like I was putting it in as air freshener, like something. I'm like, oh, he's like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting ready for the game. This thing gives you a good jolt to start with. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, try some. And he took the pledge, and he like, <laughs> for, <laughs> for visors, right? And he's like, oh my god, it burns! I'll never forget that. That just shows you how gullible he is. But anyway, um, he so yeah i know by the end of the year he's great whatever then we played against each other and yeah man when you're fighting all the time you kind of lose touch and you, your friendship doesn't really last too long but yeah the first shift in my first game uh in in idaho was against who? them right so we fight and yeah i, I mean i think i have a video of that fight somewhere over or whatever but, yeah, I mean, Garrett throws lots of punches, looks like he's doing good, but he's not actually hitting you, right? If you understand how to hold him off, right? He throws a lot. But, uh, at the end of the day, your punches are making impact, isn't it? But it looks, it looks like an amazing fight all the time, right? Because he's throwing them. Now, that being said, some guys he can actually hit and he takes advantage of. But for me, I just knew, I obviously watched him for a whole year. You just gotta hold him out a little bit. But, um, but anyway, um, we were, uh, so we, we fought the very first shift of the very first game. And the funniest part about that all is, so we play Boise, a home, two home games, and then the next weekend we go there. And so the next weekend we go, there, he doesn't want to fight anymore, by the way, at this point. But, uh, because I gave him the option when they were in his crowd, because we were in Boise the first fight. But <laughs> it's hilarious. The game is tied, so we've we, we won three straight against them. This will make them 0 4 and us 4 0. And the game goes to overtime. There's no goals. And so everyone goes, and we, everyone shot, and we got the last shot because Vegas chose to shoot. Um, chose to shoot first and Laxdahl calls me to go in the shootout Nice against my old team of four years. So I go down, I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, go. So I jumped over the board. Anyway, I go and I don't know what, I just sprinted towards the net. I kind of blacked out. I made one little head fake and it was pretty much middle bar the net was wide open and i shot it in and won and that place was silent i matt thomas's face was white so it was pretty funny but but no garrett was hilarious he would he had some unreal chirps He told brad church if he asked him if he rode his dinosaur to the rank and he'd be like hey i I have your hockey card i had to blow the dust off it shit like that all the time he was he had some pretty good one liners
1: yeah, he played. He played a long time there, and anybody that uh, I mean, you know, I think what is the dude? About five seven, five eight, just jacked, looks like a like a bodybuilder. Five
0: seven or five eight might be uh, might be uh, a stretch. Rich. Yeah, with skates. Well, no, you can't. I'll tell you what. Like pound for pound, like you can't take it away from him. I mean, he was fearless. I mean, what he did, like, I mean, who, who goes toe to toe with Cass? Like, uh, Cassian at uh, that size, I mean, like, he's, he's a, he, he was a gamer, and you can't take any of that away from him. He was very, uh, he's like a little pit bull.
1: Oh, yeah, like, you watch him play junior, and I mean, we talked earlier about Tutu running around hitting guys. Oh, Hunt was unbelievable. He played like a Super Bowl. I've never seen anybody actually play like that. Like, a friend of mine would send me all the Vancouver Giant footage. It's like, you gotta see this guy. He's insane. And I mean, and to actually think the Giants had Lucic, Matt Cassian, and Hunt all at the same time is insane. Yeah. But uh, oh, Hunt's just taking full full rink runs at guys, and just flying. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he's built like a bodybuilder, and it's like yeah, yeah. It was uh, no, I love no, watching I mean, He Hunt.
0: did he did some funny shit. Like he was training for a sprint triathlon, so he would ride his bike around the pool, and then he would jump in the water, and his brother would push him with uh, the uh, the pool net so that he knew what it was like to be in traffic when he's in the water <laughs> swimming. Like, they're, they're mutants, man. But anyway, yeah, yeah, no, my time, he's a good kid. He's he's fine. I mean, like I said, you got to have respect for how, how willing he was. And, and he, you know, like I said, once he kind of found out, found his way and, and whatever, I mean, like I said, like, you know, we I, we had Mike Hoffman when I was in Vegas and uh, we were playing them and Mike Hoffman is a monster and like legit tough, like legit tough and Hunter Hunter got into them and then they dropped their gloves and I'm like oh my god someone called the ambulance like and I, Hoff was hitting him in the helmet, like I thought for surely he was going to break his helmet in half, that's how hard he was hitting him in the visor and the helmet and uh And Hunt during the fight, I'm standing over there watching this fight. He's yelling, "Someone throwing popcorn! Someone throwing popcorn from up there!" (laughs) And 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 Mike Hoffman just getting more and more mad. And and then afterwards, uh, Hoffers an absolute unbelievable guy. But he he goes, "Dude, I've never hit someone that hard in my life. That guy is crazy." Oh, it's pretty funny.
1: Oh, tremendous. Well, you were talking about Euler camp with you and Hunt, um, but you mentioned uh, Zach Sorrentini. Uh, what's the story that you guys not get along?
0: No, you know Zach's a, like a nice kid, but like he would like I, I don't, know, I,
1: don't know, I don't really like
0: to talk comment or whatever. I mean he he kind of um, they they protected him pretty good in camp. Like he's a big doggy bit. My, my team with you know, so-and-so, you know, they know that no one else is fighting, right? Like, he's he's not going to go, like, he's not going to have to fight at all. They protect him. Because they know, like, if you put me on the opposite team or one of those other guys, he's going to get exposed pretty fast, right? And then you go into exhibition and, like, Ken, I'm in the lineup with Zach Spartini. Why am I in the lineup with Zach Spartini? Aren't we trying to try out for the same thing, you know, or same spot kind of thing, whatever. So then who's who, I'm going to go after whoever, right, not him kind of thing and and whatever but you know I mean Zach carved out a hell of a career for himself really nice guy just I I don't know like it's hilarious me and just you know just the way he fights kind of bugs me and stuff and I, he does it for the right reasons. Like, he steps up. You, I have a lot of respect for him because at the end of the day, man, some of the guys he's fought, you gotta be joking, right? Like, he that's crazy for a guy that doesn't, isn't probably as capable as him at fighting, right? I mean, he's fighting like crazy tough guys. So, you gotta give him respect for that. He stepped up for the team. He did it for the right reasons, all that stuff. But, like, I, I don't know, like, Craig just really liked him or what, but, um, but anyway, it was hilarious when we were in Chicago, I was playing against them and, um, me and Kip Brennan roomed together a little bit. <laughs> we were in the same place. And so we're, we're playing Oklahoma city and he's down there. And so me and Kip are, are on our way out after warmups. We're sitting in the room where we're waiting to leave or whatever, to go out on the ice for warm ups or for a pregame show or whatever. And, uh, and, and I'm like, Kipper, I'm fighting Zach Sergini. I want to fight him. And he goes, no, I'm fighting him. Because he had went to camp with him the year before. He goes, no. And we are arguing. And Kipper's like, well, there's only one way to decide this. So Jason Krog grabbed a quarter, and we flipped a coin to see who fought him, and I won. I said, he goes, you call in the air. I said, heads. It was heads. So he's like, okay, deal's a deal. So he goes out there, and he's out there against him first, right, for for for, for a shift or two. Then all of a sudden, the, the puck's coming around the net, and and he's coming around the net, and I literally, Kipper changes. I can't change for Kipper. I literally catch him from my bench to behind the net and absolutely smoke him. He does like a backflip. So I turn around because he's on a line with two guys that fight. They wouldn't go near me. All of a sudden, he jumps me. I'm like, yes. So then we start fighting and I'm kind of like laughing the whole time and smiling and I'm getting it and then finally I cracked him and I cut him a little bit or whatever. I could have kept going but I do have respect for him a little bit and I don't want to like whatever because I because he's like I'm done. He said I'm done or whatever. So I let the like kind of let the ref in but I could have kept going. But whatever. Needless to say, um it was just hilarious. So I was going by their bench and their coach Terry was kind of had his head down, kind of laughing or whatever, because he knew how much he wanted to fight him. But I'll never forget flipping that coin with Kipper. (laughs)
1: Nice, nice. Um, One of the fights I actually wanted to bring up, uh, because I had him on the show recently, was with Matt Nickerson. And he talks about the fight you guys when you left your gear in the box.
0: So, we go to go out So we go to fight and I'm like, okay, like Nikki, you you gotta realize this guy's looking a scary looking guy, but I, I mean, I kind of watched him fight and I wasn't too, like it's, you know, he got a lot tougher. Like I think that was his first year or two or whatever, right? Like he was young kind of, so to speak, right? Now we're all old, but, um, and, but he's a big dude. He's got the big goatee and like, and he like is mean. Like he acts mean, you know? And so I went out there and I'm like, Hey, let's square off whatever so we go to square off and I look and his freaking hand's taped he said he, it's taped just below his knuckles but it's this tape I'm like nah 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 I'm not fighting you with a tape hand you moron like beat it so I just like let's go to the box so we go to the box and he's like taking it off he's like what right and we just got two minutes right so we're sitting in there right so I'm like hey let's fight as soon as we get out of the box then fuck it whatever and he's like Yep, yeah, let's do it and so he's taking off his thing, he's going nuts and I, I don't really think he knew what he was getting into, to be 100% honest with you. So we get out of the box and, and we square off. So then we start fighting and I don't really think he knew, like I think a lot of the time guys, they, they come out and they fight. And, and they don't really understand that there's a lot that goes into experience, right? Like Doty Wood, for example. You would probably think that guy is like, oh, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy, some 6'2 rookie that's used to toying guys and junior. Then you get to a pro, and you're like, look at that guy. There's no way that guy can be tough, and that's what you actually have, the mystique you have going for you, right? And I think he kind of thought that, and I think he learned pretty fast that that wasn't really uh wasn't the thing, right? If you know what I mean. So, um it was a it, you know, whatever. I, I I can't remember. I'd have to watch the fight tape. I told him the other day on Twitter when I messaged we messaged with each other, I said, I think it was sixty forty for me, so I'm just gonna stick with that.
1: <laughs> i don't know what he said though i didn't hear okay I I, oh i can't well I, no i said it was a good one i i think uh i can't remember but i know it was did, a good fight i know we did talk weird. about leaving the gear in the box yeah but yeah we left the
0: gear in the box and then we i found out after you're not allowed to do that so we got kicked out of the game and got a game misconduct
1: yep <clears throat> uh um, well because we could
0: have just took the gear out and dropped it, and we would have been fine. But we left the gear in the box, so we got a game. So it was actually really stupid. But, man, later on that year, him and Yabo, like, basically, like, terrorized <laughs> the last cases.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, there, that was quite the story. Um, um, I was actually going to ask you, like, you were talking about with, um, earlier when when you were with Dia- talking about the Diaz brothers and just, like, you know, with the whole, they don't touch gloves, and it's, you know, war in the cage and all that. There's a big thing, and I mean, us fight nerds have talked about it, and I I always, I mean, whatever, I, I roll my eyes or whatever, but um, and it's not, you know, everybody, you respect the opponent and all that, but were you, uh what do you think of the whole, I mean, nowadays, it's like bum taps and bro hugs and after fights and stuff, uh what what are your What's your feeling on all that? And what did you. you know, when the, and you can show respect
0: or whatever, it depends who it is, what it is. But no, before the fight, I'm not like, hey, man, how are you doing today? You want to go? Like, uh, I don't believe in that at all. I'm like, I'm, you're going to. It's kill or be killed, you know? Like, I'm going to. I'm trying to kill you. Like, not literally, but like, I'm trying to beat your ass and you're trying to beat me. I'm not going to. I'm not trying to be all and friendly with you or whatever, maybe afterwards or whatever. But even then I'm like, you know, naughty during the game, even like maybe in the box, like for example, if I'm in the box with Yabo or something, I'm like, thanks a lot. Yabo. Like, yeah. like, yes, sir. No, sir. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, like we're, we're cool. Like he's awesome. Like, he, uh, kind of thing, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, for me, that's not my style, and that, that is 100% those guys, like, those guys ain't tapping your gloves, they're not acting, they're gonna make you feel like you're the most un, the most uncomfortable you've ever been in your life, before the flight, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I was just wondering that, but, uh, um, what did you think of Idaho? You, you end up, you played uh, two two seasons in a bit there, uh, how was it? Idaho, unbelievable place. Probably,
0: Probably top top places in the minus.
1: Yep, like
0: got to be top ten places, top five places. In the mine.
1: Yeah, Chris Graf and Terry Ryan both said the same thing actually. Yeah, like unbelievable, unbelievable place.
0: Can't can't even describe. It's it's like being in a little mountain town, being able to play hockey, uh, being in a college town, all in one. Yep.
1: Um, well. <coughs> Pardon me. Some of your some of your fights there. Uh, one of the names that you that you ended up, I think you fought him three or four times, and of course he went on to play in the Quebec League and everything else was Ryan Hand.
0: Ryan Hand, yeah. No, another guy that probably took a, took me a little lightly. No, you know what? I wish I had all these fights on tape because we could just prove all this stuff because I could rewatch him. But um, yeah, Andrew, he's a tough kid. He was a really tough kid. Um, you know what man anyone who is willing to fight all the time I mean at the end of the day you took your cap and oh, yeah. whatever right
1: yeah no no we're just talking you know how it is I mean no absolutely yeah. no disrespect to any of these guys or no absolutely and uh, no I was just always uh, I was a big guy, fan I, of Ryan's
0: only one guy that I that there's not a lot of guys that don't respect. So you know, obviously, Colby Armstrong's a goat. I love Colby. He's unbelievable guy, like nicest guy. But his little brother is the biggest rat puke in hockey. And uh, so we were playing. We were when I was in Vegas my last year or one of my last years. Um, this Maxwell, he so he comes up by our bench. He goes down on in all, all fours. And then that Maxwell runs me at the same time. They try to, like, take my knees out or something or whatever they were trying to do. And I was livid, right? So we're in the lobby and some, or in the uh, hallway, and you go off, and you can see each other. And so me and Maxwell are going off because we fought right after. Like, I got up and fought him. Like, I was dead tired, but I was like, fuck. So we went at it. And I was going down the hallway, and I was so mad I whipped my helmet at him. And cause he was, yeah, chirping me or whatever. And then I'm like, Whoa, I'm going to kill you. We're going again. And then I'm in the box and I'm like, licking at my chops. I'm like, I can't wait. I said, four minutes, we're out of here. We're doing this. And he's like, dude, I don't want it. Like, he's like, man, I just hit you. Like, I didn't plan that, blah, blah, blah. And then anyway, I, I cooled down a bit whatever. And I was like, okay, I already fought this kid, whatever. And he's obviously backpedaling. I'm like, I'm going to get army. So <laughs> it's hilarious. I was I was uh, here and and in the intermission on the second and third that was the first intermission, the second intermission. Uh, my coach goes, "Hux, you got a green light on that kid. You know what a dirty play, blah blah blah. Like, if we're up, green light." So I'm like, "Yes." So I I'm sitting there and and they will not put him out there when I'm on the ice. So I Eric Lampy was on the bench and I go. And on the like, Lamps, I'm going. I'm going for you. So that he's coming off, and I go out there, and he pretends he doesn't see me. And I come up, and i right in his face, and I sock him. And he goes down, and he lies on the ice like he's dead, and just because he didn't want to take anymore, probably. And that's the way he played, gutless. And anyway, this poor kid just came from college hockey, jumps in, to like grab me and I'm like wrong day kid and I beat this kid I don't think he's ever fought in his life to be honest I beat the living crap out of this kid and after that never felt so bad about beating a guy up because he had no like he's just jumping in for his teammate or whatever but I was like oh but it was was like wrong day kid and this poor kid is scraping himself off the ice after because of this this well whatever you want to say for me like rat. But yeah, I mean that's yeah. But anyways, there's tons of stories like that, right? But oh, yeah. every player has.
1: Well, everybody's got a guy, right? That uh, yeah. that just eats at him. Um, well, another guy that you uh, you fought a bunch of times, and he was a he, another former guest on the show here. Another big dude, uh, Riley Emerson.
0: Oh, Riley Emerson was really tough. Again, another guy you gotta you gotta learn how to fight him. Um, Earlier in his career, probably not as tough. Near the late, probably a lot tougher and filled out, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, Riley, what is he, 6'9"? He's bigger yep. than Lane Manson. Yep. Yeah, I know another guy. Yeah, the, you, you definitely have to think about what you're going to do because if you ever get on the side right of that, I mean, he's got some reach.
1: It was funny talking to him. Could you imagine this? He got drafted by Minnesota, and in his first training camp with the Wild, they, they had him... Boogard and John Scott there. Jesus, can you imagine? That's, that? when went, that's when Boogie went through the glass. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, what's a wild doing, man? Like, holy, just take the biggest guy and, yeah, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> speaking of big guys, I was going to ask you. I know you played with the Wolves there for a little bit. Um, one of your teammates was, uh, and I've heard some stories of this guy, uh, Boris Vlaevich.
0: Yeah, he's a big dude. Um yeah, he is. so he, he he was like really like toned down uh, when I came there. Like and he was only there for a bit and then he went back to Europe or back up to the show or whatever he did. Um, so he wasn't there for too too long, but he was a really nice guy. Super nice guy, but he wasn't he wasn't down there fighting. Like, he, he fought in the NHL because he probably had to, but down there, man, when guys get sent down, when they played in the NHL, they don't give two shits. They ain't laying their ass on the line for you, for you no. for, 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 to be down there. So, like, when the, when a guy comes down, tough or not, they ain't going to do shit down there. They they won't, they, they don't, they're like, why would I fight down here? Yeah. Like, I'm, they're either A, there because of, like, salary dump or whatever it is, or they're there just to play, like they don't whatever, just to wait until they play some teams that they need tough guys. So, like, like the NHL team doesn't need them down there fighting, right? Like, because they know that's what they know what they can do. They want, they, if anything, they want playing.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, you got nothing to prove at that point either, right? So, um, well, one guy that you fought multiple, multiple times, his name kept coming up on your fight card, and I was laughing actually as I was scrolling. Was Kyle Hagel? Oh yeah, me
0: and Hag fought quite a bit. Again, another kid that just went came in, went toe to toe. Super strong kid. Um, again, one of those guys where if you're smart, you have the right amount of distance between you and him, and it looks like a really good fight, but you're the only one landing. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. And if you watch those, videos, you can kind of see that. But he throws. He's a, he's a super... Like, again, another guy I have utmost respect for. Will fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. Did everything he did was for the team. He did it. He played the right way, and you got to have a lot of respect for the way he played and stuff. And he's carved out, he carved out a heck of a career. And then after that... Uh, you know, now he's with Seattle as an assistant. Uh, Everyone knew he'd probably be a good. All the guys, like my old coaches and stuff, had him when he was in Fresno. They all said that he's going to be a heck of a coach too. So, good for him. Again, another guy that you know used fighting as a stepping stone, I guess, to to carve out a great career. And now, obviously, he's still in the game.
1: No, absolutely. Well, after Idaho, you you're you're back in your old stomping grounds in Las Vegas, um, basically. You know eight years later um what was there a lot of changes in vegas by the time you went back oh, the yeah.
0: time? when i when i left okay vegas was like the hottest real estate market in the world and blah 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 like whatever and yep. then when i came it was the heart of the recession i mean places were shut down it was a much much different climate you know, different feeling, stuff like that. And then, as as we went along, you know, in in the three years, I uh, or two years or three years, as we went along, uh, you see stuff start blooming again. And now, I guess it's popping again down there, so that's good. But uh, but yeah, I know it was a much different like feel as far as the environment went and stuff. Just as you know, it, the heart of the recession, like I said, there's so many like department store stuff here, like well, this is very dead at certain places or whatever, right? But the hockey was great. I mean, you know, I mean, there are so many little things like the midnight game and all yeah. kinds of stuff that were, like, just very, very cool to be a part of and, and only a Vegas thing, right? And uh, I, I would say, you know, obviously, I played in a lot of great places and I cherish my time in a lot of places, but my heart will always be there and I love that place.
1: Yeah, no, I, I had the opportunity to go like I said, we stay at the Orleans all the time. I've been to a few Wrangler games. Um, unbelievable atmosphere. How many times do you get to go to games in shorts? That was kinda weird, uh, being from Saskatoon. And uh but yeah, two dollar buds and uh sponsored by the Adult Deja Vu Emporium and Let's Go, right? So it's like Yeah, no only in I, Vegas. I actually,
0: um I actually made the front cover of Las Vegas Weekly. Uh I have a picture in here somewhere. Um with uh, <laughs> me sprawled out with the mayor and a pussycat doll and a famous chef and some other stuff. But the funny thing is, my, my slogan under my name is cheapest place to see a fight in town.
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, I think it's $5 fight or something like that. Uh, $10 fight, whatever it is. And it had me there. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, I know I cherished it a lot. I met so many awesome people and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it. it local being a local there is way different than being there like you you understand like you like people they treat locals so well there um so like go somewhere it's like oh you're a local here you go whatever you know where when you go there as a tourist it's
1: uh it's a fairly different
0: different experience right
1: yeah no absolutely
0: So yeah, no, I I, uh, I I still every time I go, I just get that same feeling. I love it there, but obviously, like I said, you, you know, you go to the strip, it's like a dome. You get stuck on there. That's all. That's the one. You don't go there. But if you like, actually go into the city and spend any amount of time there, it's, it's an incredible place. And that sun shines every morning, man. So. Like uh, it's actually funny when I used to get up, I used to have a black eye or my face would be swollen or whatever, and I'd be walking my daughter to school, and I would have got home like three, four on the bus. But man, you're energized for the day the second you walk outside because that sun's just in your face. Now people think that Vegas is always warm. That's absolutely the biggest lie ever. Vegas is extremely dense and cold in the in the winter. Like you can't just wear it's it's sheen sweater, or Cold weather in December, February, end of November, um, you know, January. That it's it's a lot colder than people think.
1: Yeah. Are you, uh, always, are you? Are Were you surprised uh, how popular the Golden Knights were and how they got received by Las I, I, Vegas? I,
0: I, I knew there was there was tons of like Chicago, New York, uh, like original six, Detroit, like tons of people that were from those those places. And um, then the fact that it was the first, they were just craving a three-letter league there, right? Yep. So it was going to be pretty good. And then, obviously, it took a life of its own, kind of like when hockey went to L.A., right, with Gretzky. Everyone and their dog had to be there, and now it's just the the team knocked it out of the park. You know, A, they were able to put a competitive team, obviously, go all the way to the cup final, right? And then, B, um, being able to, you know, do something different in you know as far as the off the ice part goes um, to to make to make it like a, a special place to go, right?
1: No, absolutely. I remember having this argument online, and all these people are, oh, it's going to die in Vegas, and I'm like, no way. I said I they were good with the Las Vegas Thunder. They were they supported the Wranglers, and I said with that with that rink right on the strip like that, I said it's going to blow up. It's, uh, now I didn't think and obviously were, they'd be as good as they would be. I mean that helped too. But, no, and I mean, that and, you know,
0: that that was crucial. And I think the NHL realized that. And then this Seattle team, I'm going to guess, is going to be deadly as well. Just judging from the guys that are going to be able to get picked off waivers here. Yeah.
1: so a little different than the old Senators San Jose days, right? No, yeah, yeah but they le- they learned from all those
0: mistakes, right? Like yeah. they they knew it go so well or else it's tough. Like you, you know, they look at like you got to realize that those are Canadian cities and stuff like that. And, like, and California kind of already had a hot hockey hawkbed. bed. But when you start putting people in desert areas like Phoenix and stuff, if you don't have the success right away, you ain't going to
1: work. Yep. No, absolutely. You
0: have to. And, and, like, they've obviously every year done that,
1: right? Yep. No, and, I mean, if anywhere like, knows how to promote, it's Vegas. And uh, they prove it with their pregame shows and, yeah. No, it's uh, no, it's cool to see, man. And now, of course, they got the Raiders, and that's huge. And I mean, yeah, yeah unbelievable. Well, man, um, I know I've kept you a long time. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. But um, before we get out of your hockey career here, um, I know you you played briefly with uh, Bridgeport, and a name I wanted to bring up to you, uh, and I'm a big fan of his, and it was a teammate of yours, uh, was Brett Gallant. What do you think of Brett Gallant?
0: Um, you know what I didn't really get you know he was hurt when I was there that's actually kind of why I was there wow. um, but he's like a, he seemed extremely popular in the dressing room yep. and I think the guys loved him to be honest with you man when I went there that was that was the turning point in my career to realize that maybe it was time to pack it in because I went there and you know what man like the, it, the game it has it was proof that how much the game has changed like when I was in Chicago, you had Krog and Hadar and you had a bunch of older guys. Cause that's a, that's a, if, uh, um, that it's, we were affiliated with Atlanta or Winnipeg. Right. But we weren't like, like we, they own their own teams, So they still bring in some of their own older guys and stuff. So you still had some of the old culture that made hockey so good. When I went there, it was a, it was a little bit of a dose of reality to like what the new guys and the new generation are like. And, uh, I, I, to be honest, the only place I felt like I really didn't fit in in a little bit, like I met some cool guys and stuff. I I got along really well with the coaching staff, like the assistants, they had Eric Cairns, um, Eric Boganicki. And so we, I talked and chilled with them more than, than anyone else. Like they were awesome guys, but they, they come from like, just two years before that Boganicki was up in Alaska and we were playing against each other and I was telling I was going to kill him (laughs) and stuff right? But, like, just awesome. Like, Karen Z and, uh, and Bogey are unbelievable guys. They're awesome. But it was just, it just was a real shock. Like, just even, like, trying to get a fight on the ice. Like, guys are guys are trying to be fighters, right? And you ask them to fight, and they're like, who are you? I'm like, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, what, you played two years, and you think you're something? Like, whatever. It, it, was, it was hard to get a fight. Um, just even, like, the kids on your team, everyone, it was just like, Oh, I'm down here. Like, it's the end of the world, right? Like all these kids, I'm like, dude, this is your first year. It's a grind, you know? Like it's just such a different mentality than before. And there were some of they're they're all awesome kids, like Brock Nelson, really, really, really nice guy, quiet or whatever. But like I, I didn't that's the first time I really didn't fit in and I, I kinda just realized like like for example, I went out and fought Johnny, which was an unreal fight by Cam Jansen. Right. And you get off the bat and, and maybe one or two guys get good job, Hucks. And then that's it. Yeah. Like, no one's on the boards or like they just don't, it's, it doesn't matter then. It was just like, so that's when you're like, yeah, okay, sit in a hotel room or whatever, go back and live my life in Vegas. You do the math. Right. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going up to the Islanders next, like in the next two weeks kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, 28. 7 and 28 year old so um, yeah that's kind of my it was kind of a real awakening in that sense just how much the game's changed
1: yeah what is like um, what do you think of like the veteran rule? I,
0: I don't like it I, I think it makes the game I, I understand why they do it it's more of a money thing people don't understand It's you have to pay guys more they want to keep it low and the NHL guys want to keep their prospects getting the thing, but that's the thing. The American League's owned by the NHL, so that was. But in the coast, the veteran real sucks. Yeah. But it's the only way they can make a deal with the American League.
1: Yeah. That's why I always miss, like, the old, uh, like, the IHL. You know, it was like yeah. for older guys, dudes make good money still. Uh, vet League, you know, you flew everywhere. I mean, yeah, I've had a few guys on, and they just, like, they, they love the IHL.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what the coast was, but then they kind of conformed to the same rules as their HL and stuff for development. So yeah, but that up there, like I said, that was my that was my swan song for. Hey, you know when it was time to probably either a hey, just keep living in Vegas or b take it take it down and option and just go. I was out. Out into to the yeah. I played again the next year in Vegas, and if Vegas would have stayed around, I would have probably really tried to go um, back again and and whatever, but once Vegas left, I was done.
1: That was it. But, um, well, you had a hell of a run, man. And, uh... Hey, I was going to ask you, just while I'm thinking about it, I was, uh... Did you ever... uh, I always get this... I am supposed to ask this question all the time with, like, jerseys and stuff, and I mean, I know you're... uh, Did you ever do anything with your jerseys? Any, uh... Weird fight straps or anything like that?
0: No, no. You know what, man? I didn't really do any of that stuff. No? Oh, no. I'm, you know, I, I, it's funny. I watched Frankie Lessard pre, like, <laughs> TJ Reynolds told me, I'm going to jump Frankie Lassard. I'm going to jump Frankie Lassard one year in play. In, in exhibition, Kelly Buckberger was our coach. So you can imagine he's just like, kill, kill, kill. Right? Like, he loves, loves fighting, loves guys that do that. And uh, he goes, <laughs> he actually... So, the start of the game, uh, TJ Reynolds goes, Hucks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump Frankie Lessard. So, he goes to jump Frankie Lessard. Frankie Lessard pre-jumps him. Okay? And Frankie sard has this, this chin strap that's really, really tight. And he had this, like, I swear, his visor maybe has been a little bit bigger. And he would just sit there and he would just trade with you. And because he knew you were not hitting him. Right? Like, right now. The and then he was tough, too. Like, really Ooh, yeah. tough. And then... So then he again later in the game he goes I'm, I'm going to jump him I'm going to jump him he got the got me that time whatever so then he so then he pre-jumped Rennie again the next time Rennie tried to jump him and he got it the same thing and I was like oh my god But anyway at the end of the game um, Rennie was back with me or whatever and he put all the meat on the ice like all the guys that fight or whatever and he goes something happened someone got hit from behind or something and, and and Bucky's exact words were don't bother coming back to the bench. <laughs> I'll never again. Oh, God. Don't bother coming back to the bench, he said.
2: There you go. So, uh, oh.
0: I was like, that is a great one, Bucky. Bucky's bag skates the best, so he, he, he'll he like, do them with you because he's crazy. Like he, he does like marathon training, pretty much. He's insane. Still rides a bike like crazy, man. I'm pretty sure even in junior, just from some kids that have played with him, but bucky we did a bagger and then we picked all the pucks up and we're sitting at center ice and he goes okay one more and i'm like oh god what is this he dumps the whole entire bucket like sprays them all over the ice and he's like okay now you got to sprint one to and pick it up so we me and him and and whoever else sprinted grabbed the puck had to bring it back put in the bucket there had to be 90 pucks.
2: oh (laughs) he
0: was yeah, no, he was, he was, uh, he was pretty crazy, Bucky.
1: There you go, old school dad, don't come back to the bench. Could you imagine, oh, new age fans, they would just cry if they heard that story now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. No, if a kid got told that, he'd be like, what do you mean? Do you want me to go to the dressing room?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, there'd, there'd be a hashtag about it and outrage and, oh, yeah.
0: No, it's, it's crazy. It's a different time now, right? Um completely different time.
1: well well to wrap up i mean you talked about it obviously with the training with the dub teams but uh what is adam huxley doing these days
0: well i uh i run my own gym i uh so in the summer i turf and and put all the put a bunch of obviously platforms and strength stuff and we got we got pretty much everything you can imagine um and we, I have a training hockey training facility. We have uh, like 70 athletes all the way from show NHL players to, uh, to little like peewee kids, right, that are just kind of getting used to their core and everything else and so I do that in the off season and I also, in the off season I, I work for Power Edge Pro, so I'll go do our pro camp, so like guys like McDavid, which is hilarious like again, you know uh, me sitting on the drill board telling guys like Connor it's kind of funny, but um, but yeah, I no, uh so I go up and I work with the pro camp, I work with my own group, um, I work in the Kelowna, we have a pro camp in Kelowna, I work with various guys stuff like that throughout the summer um on our ice i have a uh, pretty high-end group uh, when i first started this we had like uh we had like three or four guys playing junior something like that now we have uh 20 to 22 junior college pro guys in my area i live in a town of five thousand, but we were talking within a you know 50 kilometer radius little towns around so we've done something pretty special not just myself other guys with have contributed to it and the kids have been awesome but uh and then in during the year i i you know i do everything from minor hockey stuff to go work with western league to teams with power edge pro and then i i know have some of my own stuff and then i actually coached a junior v team um i kind of got raggled into it when i was done and uh kind of uh but then you know i kind of had a found found a little bit of a uh, soft spot for it and and just kind of learned a lot about you know, you can't just because it's like junior B kids are, are very misunderstood. Some of them want to be there, you know, want to play at the next level, but maybe didn't have the skill. Some of them could play at the next level, but just don't want to. Some of them were at the last level, but just want to work. You have to find a way to motivate all those kids. And, and you, you realize that they're not just a bunch of Bad news bears, so to speak, whatever. They're like, there's actually a lot of kids and they want to win and they want to be intense. They just don't have the commitment to, to play at the next level or whatever, right? Um, so my first year we went to, um, the provincial gold and lost. Next year we won provincial gold and went, won the Keystone Cup. We're the last champions of the Keystone Cup. Um, cause now the West or BC and Alberta are involved in it. And then the next year we won Provincials, and then we the next year we won the league and lost in the gold medal in Provincials. So we've had a lot of success um, with that team, and I've obviously got other offers to go and coach and, and do stuff, but um, i got a pretty good thing going here right now, and, and until my daughter is graduated, I won't be leaving.
1: Well, there you so that's kind of what I'm up to. That, that, there we go, folks. That, that is the story of Adam Huxley. And, uh, that, it was, uh, it's been fun for me to talk to you because, like I said, I I remember seeing you when you were in Melfort. Um, and, uh, and then I saw you in Saskatoon and talking to Brodsky. And you gotta see this guy. He's like Chuck 2.0 or whatever. And, uh, no, I've been a fan of you ever since then. And to come full circle and watch you play pro. And I always followed your career because, you know, a Blade Saskatoon guy. And, uh, no, it was cool to watch you, uh, you know, watch you uh, go the whole way through, and uh, and t- sit down today and, and talk to you it has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Well, I had a blast, and uh, thanks for having me. No, absolutely, man, and uh, no, it was great. I know the people will love it, and uh, like I said, I, I I can't thank you enough for coming on.
0: Yeah, no, if you wanna, if you think of anything and you wanna call me, don't call and we can we can reform some things or whatever. You think of another story, whatever you know. You uh, you just call me; you're more than welcome to.
1: No, oh, ab- absolutely. Well, oh, I appreciate that. Like I said, uh, the guys, it's certainly not the. Uh, well, definitely, uh, I'd love to do a part two, and uh, I got to get on ya. I gotta, you. I got to you got to get that footage, man. We got to we got to dig that out. I want to check that yeah, out, no, man.
0: I will for sure. I'll try and figure it out, and I'll get it to you. Oh,
1: no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Adam. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Okay. Bye. Thank you.